0: Welcome to Parenthood Pals, I'm Caleb Hoyer.
1: And I'm Melissa Fayette johnson And today, we have our newest inductee into the Three Timers Club. Once, Woo-hoo. twice, yay, three times. Everybody, it's Manal Weedle, woo! <laughs> yeah, <I'm so> <laughs> we're so excited this is wonderful you are definitely one of our best conversationalists we had to have you on for the hall of fame final season of course oh that means so,
2: so much thank you <laughs> this is such an honor Yay!
0: manal was last with us for episode 512 stay a little longer so it hasn't been as long as some of our recent guests who've been like you know season two was our last appearance but now I had a season four and a season five. Now a season six. That's right, love it. But how have you been since season five? That's
1: right. How you know, I've the been doing well. We, <laughs> yeah, the
2: season's been great. I've been doing well. Just, just living this, you know, season of life. The season of life is a lot of things between working full time, having a family, trying to be me, and and balancing it all. I'm yeah. just feeling that, especially reeling off of the holidays. It's just been Ooh, so. Yeah. Just trying to get out of this winter funk and just trying to. Keep honoring all the aspects of who I am, so that I don't feel like I'm drowning.
0: Yeah, I feel so bad that you're feeling that way, but I was also so amazed at your eloquence. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, "Wow, that sounds incredible!" (laughs) How you expressed it sounds incredible. What you're expressing sounds exhausting. Yes, it is exhausting and very relatable.
1: And the school year is just a lot. Yeah, it's just it's just a lot. Post holidays, winter is hard because like. Often it's a little magical, like I don't know, just driving around and oh, all the lights are on and stuff, and and, and it feels kind of special. Or like maybe you see family and stuff, but then it's like all that's over, and now it's just cold <laughs> and dark. <laughs> but it's very true. You know, this is weird. The pandemic has really taught me to appreciate the solstice, which is something I never really paid attention to before. And if I may be so honest. I'll even admit, I thought it was like a little woo-woo when people would talk about the solstice. (laughs) And now I'm like, no, it's really important because it means that now it's lighter every day. And I need that. And so I remember like 2020 was the first time I really paid attention to it because Mark and I would like count on our walks. And I'd be like, okay, we can walk tonight because it won't be you know <laughs> like we'll we'll be able to make it back before dark and it's a little lighter each night and it just felt like hope <laughs> I don't know yeah. yeah yeah yeah
2: some of those days you know if I we managed to get out of the house early enough you know it's dark on the way to school or dropping off at daycare and then if I'm working late enough then it's dark when I leave Yeah, and it's a huge reason why I think I could have never coached in the winter just that feeling of you just never see daylight you never feel like you get life outside of the building I have no windows in my classroom so that. It's always really hard to, Oh, that is so hard. I'm just like, I'm trying to remember movement, just trying to keep movement and trying to be outside, get some vitamin D, some fresh air and hoping yeah. I can just snap out of the funk. I, feel, I just feel like I haven't felt this new year funk yeah. as much as I'm feeling it right now. So,
1: well, I appreciate your honesty too, because I think ugh, it's one of my favorite things is when people are just like real and they're not just like, oh, everything's mm-hmm. fine when it's not, you know, it's just so much better <laughs> to just like say the thing, you know? Yeah. People are feeling that. So yeah. <laughs> Good.
0: Well, shall we dive into this doozy of an episode? Doozy. This doozy. Let's, this yes. will make you feel better. <laughs>
1: Not. I, the conversation <laughs> will really That's true. Will.
0: <laughs> I, there's gonna be some conversation about this one. Oh, for sure. Now, listeners, if you recall. Many moons ago, on our Friday Night at the Luncheonette episode, I mentioned that part three of that web only exclusive was co written by one Aaron Brownstein. Oh, yeah. And I told you to be on the lookout for that name in the future. Well, the day has arrived arrived. because we are discussing Parenthood Season Six, Episode Eight Aaron Brownstein Must Be Stopped.
1: very very that was my
0: dramatic very reading.
1: nicely rendered yes
0: thank you it was written by Jessica Goldberg directed by Lawrence Trilling it originally aired on November 13th 2014 and here is the TV guide synopsis max experiences heartache which leads him to wage a propaganda campaign against a classmate meanwhile financial troubles leave crosby with a sense of defeat and propel jasmine to get a new job and ruby exploits her father's trust Continuing with the Aaron Brownstein factoids here, I want to mention that this minor co-writer of one digital exclusive (laughs) segment somehow earns the distinction of being the only character named in full in an episode title. Wow. Mm -hmm. We've had titles like Nora or Happy Birthday Zeke, The Enchanting Mr. Knight, Amazing Andy and His Wonderful World of Bugs, But this is the only first and last name in an episode title. Now, I believe that in addition to co-writing that segment, Aaron Brownstein, the real one, appears to have been Jason Kadem's assistant on numerous projects, including Parenthood. And he's listed on IMDb for this episode in the uncredited role of teacher. Hmm. I don't know which teacher. There is one shot where it like pans up to this red-haired guy Oh, yeah. In the school. And I was like, I wonder if that's Aaron Brownstein. That would the be real cool. one. Too. The real
1: one. We should look Because at- I don't
0: know who else it might be. Yeah.
1: I was just delighted to see another adult there besides Christina. That's exactly <laughs> what I wrote in my notes, too. I was like,
2: is there anybody Who's else in this building? Is there anybody yeah. else helping with these kids? Yeah. Anybody? Anybody.
0: Yeah. Well, while we're focusing on business, let's do a little. roll
1: call. All right. Ooh.
0: This episode has no Adam, no Sarah, no Julia, no Joel, no Sydney, no Victor, no Zeke. I want to point out that's three of the main four siblings. Crosby is the only adult Braverman sibling Wow. in this episode.
1: And you feel it. I felt it.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I think you do, kind of.
1: Yeah.
0: I also felt like there were really only three storylines Yes. in this episode. And usually I would say there's like four
1: four sometimes five
0: yeah and of varying importance and like size but Mm -hmm. this it really felt like just three speaking of business adam is away on business
1: what kind of business As max
0: so helpfully says
1: and i was like photo
0: shoot in santa cruz is that
2: (laughs) it was random and then sarah and napa i was like what is she doing in napa
1: that makes no sense yeah it
2: made no sense i'm like the last time you were in napa was with hank right when Loverboy. Oh. oh my god, why am I blanking? Oh yeah. The guy we love. Mark Sear. I just yeah, I was like, what what are oh. we in Napa for? What is <laughs> yeah. this? Oh, for the
0: wedding. Yeah. yeah, they yeah. Wedding. Gosh. Good. It point. was weird. It was super weird. And she's in Napa without Hank or without any yeah. of her kids. Maybe she's yeah. there with uh Adam and Julia.
1: Yeah. They're just they're like, <laughs> and let's not Julia's invite whole family Cosby.
0: and their dad.
1: Let's not invite <laughs> yeah. Crosby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I felt like Caleb might have been upset at such a Hank-heavy storyline with no Lauren Graham in the episode at all. I mean, yeah. I did
0: take note that there's a whole storyline in this episode with no Bravermans in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we'll get there. We'll get there. I thought we would start just with the the main course in this episode. The elephant is, in the
1: room. The tomato yeah. in the room. <laughs>
0: the tomato in the room. The whole Max storyline. One last little factoid here. IMDb says that student number two is played by Sawyer Kadams. Ah. He is the son of Jason Kadem's and was a big part of the inspiration for the character of Max. Oh, cool.
2: Ah, oh, that's great. And now I'm not
0: sure which student student number two is, but one of those kids that's is cool. Sawyer Kadams. I love that. Yeah.
1: Okay.
0: So at the beginning of this episode, Max says he wants to ask Dylan out. Now is the time. And even though Christina says, you know, sometimes you're not sure what they're going to say when you ask someone out. Max says he's certain of what Dylan's response will be. And I just thought, how? What is he basing that on? Haven't we spent multiple episodes watching him wonder when she will like him more? When that 2 or 2.5 will turn into a 3 or more? I just was so confused by this very literal, evidence-based, smart kid being like, I know what it's going to be.
1: Yeah, I was too.
0: Based on nothing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if it was just his confidence. Like I think it was admirable how confident he was to want to achieve this task of asking her out and moving forward, how to do it. But yeah, I don't know where that came from. Like you have a little too much pep in your stuff for that. Please yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> you know, something you said made me think maybe he was just impatient and he was justifying it in his own head. Yeah, Yeah. Cause like I've read this book, the righteous mind where the author said, you know, we think of our minds and of our reason as being like an umpire, just, just calling balls and strikes. We're really fair-minded. He's like, actually, it's more like a press secretary and <laughs> our like gut instinct decides what we really want and then our press secretary justifies after the fact. Mm. He, oh, here's all the reasons why it's good for me to feel this way. Right. And I wonder if that's what Max is doing here. Like, I'm just, I'm done waiting. I'm going to ask her out. And Mm -hmm. here's why I'm sure, although he still doesn't give any reasons why now is the time. And I
2: feel like he is methodical yeah. like that. He would have been like, this is reason one. I think she will. Reason two, I think
1: she will. Reason three, I think she will. And yeah, he never offered that. Yeah, I kind of wish that the writers had either had him actually say the reasons or just Mm -hmm. cut that line and just Mm -hmm. had him say, you know, today's the day. I'm asking her out. Yeah. Then Then I wouldn't have questioned
0: it. Like He's decided. Yeah. Anyway. He sees Dylan making out with this other guy. He s- distributes this flyer oh. listing every disparaging quality of Aaron Brownstein's. Aaron is understandably upset. Yes. That there is this document going around the school, badmouthing him. They get into an argument. Christina breaks it up. Before we discuss the whole thing, I just want to play the immediate aftermath yeah. of this tussle.
3: We have to talk about this, buddy. What just happened? Everything can't... on the flyer is true. I don't really want to talk about the flyer, babe. I... Look, I know. How you feel about Dylan? And I know As headmaster, that things my personal did not feelings work... are not your concern. But buddy, I'm your mom, too, you know? And I know that your feelings are really hurt. I know that.
4: I don't want to talk about
3: it. Okay.
4: Am I in trouble for distributing
0: the flyer? No, honey, you're not in trouble. Why isn't he in trouble for distributing the flyer? He should
1: completely be in
2: trouble. Totally agree. I put on there, lack of training for education. I was like... It was just, she was so torn between being a mom and being a headmaster. It was such a conflict of interest. It was such a poor way of handling that.
0: Yeah. Awful. Awful. I'm glad you said that. Cause I was like, we've got two public school teachers Mm-mm. on the podcast. Yeah. Mm-mm. So now not just that scene, but I, I just really wanted to like, <laughs> I couldn't believe I was, what I was watching, which is like, no, you're not in trouble. Although yeah. I'm glad you said it. She was completely blinded by mom because mm-hmm. at least that makes me understand like, oh, this is a. Oh, he already learned his lesson because his feelings are so hurt. Mm-hmm. It's not going to help. Like, because, like, a few episodes ago when Ruby got drunk with Amber and Amber uh. didn't rat her out, we're like, yeah, 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 let this slide because she already learned her lesson. I think that must be what Christina was telling herself. And I can even kind of understand it, but it's purely. From a mom' perspective, mm-hmm. as an administrator, you cannot let someone behave that way. No, even mm-hmm. if everything on the flyer was true, should someone go around school listing all of Max's true negative qualities? Mm-hmm. That you can't target a student I, anyway. I was about go to, ahead. I was
1: about to say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. What if Aaron Brownstein had been distributing a flyer about Max? You better believe Christina would have gotten him in trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's just yes, and and I think that is exactly what you said, Manal. Such a conflict of interest. It's the whole mm-hmm. reason we were all like, really? She's just a headmaster. <laughs> like, yeah. she's in charge of everybody, including her own kid. This is going to yeah. be a problem, and it, yeah, it is. I mean, and and hey, I think it's great to teach with compassion and to you know, I th- I think that's wonderful. And I suppose a way to look at it was it was a compassionate take when she saw how heartbroken he was but i i really fear that through much of this episode she is only considering her her son's heartbroken feelings and not considering the very valid feelings of other students at this school and that is really I totally agree. troubling yeah
2: well she's not keeping him safe i mean this isn't the only instance it's between Aaron and then Dylan later on, you're not protecting those students. Nope. The only person you're looking out for is your son. And it's just, it was a real disservice. It was a real disservice to everyone else. You can still come down on him. You can still have love for him as a mom, but you can still say, you know, as headmaster, then I do have to say this was inappropriate or here's how we are going to solve this or X, Y, and Z. Yes. But as your mom, I can see you're hurt and I'm so sorry you're hurt and I love you and, and whatever, but yeah. Yeah. She only spoke from being a mom and it was a real, it was really unfortunate. And I just thought, this is why you have no business being in education. This is why you have no business being in this role and taking care. You agreed to take care of those 60 kids or however many kids are in that building. And now you're not doing your job keeping every one of those kids safe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you're both so right. That compassionate piece should not be missing. Right. Right. But Mm -hmm. it cannot be the only thing. Mm -mm. And I also, okay, this is going to sound really harsh, but I feel like in a way she almost has to break Max the way you would break like a wild horse. Yeah. Like in that scene, when he says as headmaster, my feelings should not be your concern. I, I so wanted her to be like, okay, a, you don't get to tell me how to do my job. And B, all of my students feelings are my concern. I'm the headmaster. That is my job. And my, that is my <laughs> job. And their feelings are inextricably linked to, the, to their behaviors. Now I'm not their therapist. It's not my only concern. I can't just let you off the hook for this flyer because you feel bad. Right. But I, I just so wanted her to lay a boundary and say, Max, you don't get to be in charge of how this goes and you don't get to tell me what should and should not be my concern. That's not your job. And I'm the boss in this room. Yeah. Oh, Yeah.
2: Missed opportunity. And I mean, you guys have referenced it before they've just never held him to a boundary ever the only time anyone ever held him to a boundary was gabby when she was working with him and they've just done him a disservice they've let him run the roost and they let him do all these things and they've let his asperger's be the excuse for it all and now you're not just affecting you know person 1 person 2 person 3 now you are completely shifting the dynamic of this building and the space that is meant for all of these people with all of these different you know things going on and uh i was just I loved her as a mom, but I did not, did not like her as a school official in this
0: instance. Agreed. You know who I love so much more than I remember? Who? Dylan.
2: Yeah. Same. Love Dylan. Same. I'm like, where did that come
0: from? Agreed. She's great. And she's not just cool. She's like clearly got a wonderful heart. I was so blown away with her scene with Christina, not because of what happens between them necessarily the fact that Dylan thought to go over there at all and check in rode her bike
1: at night to go do that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You did not have to do this. His feelings in this moment should not be your concern, but Mm -hmm. I think they genuinely are because she's a decent caring person and actually was friends with him. Anyway, I want to talk about this.
3: Hi. Hi. Do you want me to get Max? No, no. Um, can I,
4: can I just, can I talk to you?
3: Yeah, of course. Okay. How did you get here? Did I you I just I
4: rode my bike. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's just late, so. Yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay. What's um, going on? Um you you heard about me and Aaron? Um, yeah,
3: I have I've heard.
5: Is Max Is Max upset?
3: He was. He is He's upset.
5: He keeps asking me why I like Aaron and I don't I don't really know what to say. I just I like him him. And, and then Max keeps talking about how the scale of affection is fluid and how someday I'm going to like him at a 5 or whatever. I don't I don't know. I'm really sorry. Um I'm never I'm never going to like Max like in that way.
2: That's okay. That's yeah. how it goes. I didn't want to hurt Max.
3: I know that you didn't. And He'll get through it. It's not
4: Okay. It's okay. Yeah, I'm I'm really, really hey, good. <laughs> what is she doing here? Um I'm your she came by friend,
1: this so hang out, hang out. Hang out like friends? Yeah. We're not friends. I will say that's the one scene that I thought Christina handled things well. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. I, that's exactly
2: yeah. what my note said. I said, Dylan and Christina's house responded well, actually, yeah, to her boundary. She actually listened to Dylan's boundary. She didn't listen to
1: her son, and she didn't respect where her son was coming from. Yeah. I, I yeah. love that she was like, that's okay. That's how it goes. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought... Good. And yet
0: I didn't feel like, oh, my gosh, Christina, you're just totally abdicating your responsibility to your son. Mm -mm. No, she wasn't because she was going to be there for Max's hurt feelings to support him through it. And of course, that was still very clear. And the way Dylan put it, like, why do I like him? I I don't know. I just do. Yeah, Yeah. that's called life. That's called human. Yeah. Yeah. You don't always know why and you don't have to explain it to anybody.
1: No. no.
2: And shame on the fluid conversation. I just, think yes. God, and you guys talked about this on the podcast. There were so many missed opportunities in that conversation for the way that Adam changed it. Like the way they initially approached it. it okay. But then just like you guys talked about in the podcast, Then it turned into this weird banter and just like really messed up. And it was like, no, you almost like abdicated this idea of consent. You know, it's like you have to and I have that in my note, just kind of as they get into this situation later. It's like maybe she is only going to like you back at a two. Maybe she is going to like you back at a one or preparing preparing Max for This may be how it's reciprocated, and you're going to have to know how to work through it. And this always goes back to what we've said. He needs the freaking aid. His parents are not these people. All they're speaking is from love, which is what they should be doing as parents. But no one is helping him with how to cope with these situations. And he just keeps getting excused and excused and excused. And that's why it escalates to what it does. Like, if this had finished here, I would have had more respect for the situation. I would have had more respect for Christina. But then seeing the way that it like... (laughs) the terrible way that this ended, it was just a nightmare. It was like an absolute explosion. And it could have been, I don't know if it could have been prevented, but I feel like it would not have been on this grandiose of a scale.
0: Right. I, it's so funny. You mentioned the scale of affection. Ugh. Cause, Ugh. cause she, when she says it in this scene, like he keeps talking about how the scale yes. of affection is fluid. I'm like, okay, so clearly he has latched onto this idea. And I literally wrote in all caps in my notes, where is the scene where Max's parents tell him they were wrong about the scale of affection? Exactly. That is the scene that needs to be happening. Like, buddy, I know that you have this in your mind. And I know that we put it there and we were wrong. Let us amend what we said. And they never talk about that. Nope. nope. Another missed uh, opportunity.
1: It's like they completely sidestep responsibility. I mean, that's, that's the talk or at least one of the talks that Christina should have had with Max in this episode, because when Dylan said that, I felt this like thunderbolt of fury. I was just like, (laughs) so rage. Yeah. I was so mad at them again for their little like you said banter with each other being more yeah. important like the sticky fluid really. Oh, you're right, mm-hmm. Max. Um it is fluid because i my feelings for your dad are undergoing a change right now. I, I was just like, mm-hmm. "Oh my god, it was just so much more important for you to get those little digs yes. in than to explain consent to your son who has autism and really needs to understand these." Th- I just and and you know, maybe I should look at this with a little more compassion and like, who could have predicted this? Sure. And it is true that I've seen the show before. So maybe I was just remembering, but I was like, I felt like it was forecast like what was going to happen. I thought, how could you not have predicted this? I, I Like if her yeah. feelings don't change, you have just set him up to like be, be almost like borderline stalking or something. I mean, it's just not good. Yes. I, yeah. I don't
0: or maybe there was if they wanted this story, maybe it was an error in execution. Like maybe they should have made the scale of affection being fluid a much smaller deal. Like something that he just mentions in passing.
1: Yes. Like
0: like if Max had said, can the numbers change? If they had been like, uh. Yeah, sometimes, but not really. That's not usually then, how it works. But. And then we mm-hmm. never heard about it again until this moment where Dylan says, he keeps saying the scale of affection is fluid. And then if it's a like a light bulb moment of, oh, oh my no. God. Oh, he latched onto that one little thing we said, mm-hmm. and he has turned it into, but yeah. they turned it into a big deal. They and did. So it feels like how could they have missed this?
1: Yeah, Adam brought it up out of nowhere. And then Adam is conveniently not in this episode to deal with. Things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think, and you guys mentioned this in the previous podcast, there is this idea
2: that when Adam said, why not Max, you know, you do want him to find love. You do want him to maybe find a partner to feel and all rightfully so but this was just not the appropriate way of going for it. yeah and now you're just putting this this person in a very uncomfortable situation. you know now this person is exuding their boundary to Christina, which is great, but I almost feel like she needs to say that to Max also but I don't know if he's even gonna get it because now he is so hurt and so blindsided even though he should have seen it coming it was just just I just feel like they could have they just did him a disservice. they could have yeah. prepared him they could have given him. Here's situation A that could happen, situation B that could happen, situation C that could happen. Then they could explain love is unpredictable. Maybe yeah. none of these things happen. They could have just been very, very forthcoming in the possible outcomes for him to just visualize it. And it just, it was a missed opportunity. I was really, yeah. really upset with that.
0: And something that didn't occur to me until listening to that scene just now, when Dylan says she rode her bike over there and, it's, and Christina says it's late. Like, oh my God, Dylan is going through all of this with no parental guidance at home.
6: God,
2: like. Thank you. That is like, like they're the next just thing completely in my head. Like where is her right family?
0: <laughs> yeah. And this is a tricky situation for any of these people to navigate. Even Christina yeah. who's an adult and really capable for a child to be at the center of this as Dylan finds herself and have no one there to help guide her. I just think like, I know what I would have done stewed on it and made it 10 times worse than it even was yeah. and then probably made really bad decisions just adds to my admiration for how dylan handles herself through this whole episode like in that scene i thought it was so generous of her i agree to even be concerned about max but i thought it just spoke to you know when she says i'm your friend she really means that. Yeah. I don't think she was ever meaning to lead him on. I think she feels bad that he got the wrong idea or something. It just makes it makes her even more sympathetic.
1: I know. I'm I'm so firmly on Dylan's side. So I kept trying to be like kind of fair about this and like think of the other side. One thing I thought of was if that wasn't like her first kiss with Aaron and for all we know it was, you know, like we, we really have no idea. But I thought if it wasn't, it would have been nice, I suppose, for her to like kind of talk to Max so that he didn't like see them kissing. And that's how he found out. But then I'm like, she's 14, man. Like, I don't yeah. know. Like, it's just yeah. like who handles these things well at any age, yeah. you know, let alone at such a young uh, time. So, so that was the one thing I thought like. If at all possible, that would have been good. But I, I certainly don't blame her for no. for not doing that. And, and <laughs> th- this was very kind and generous. And it really broke my heart when Max said, we're not friends. Because I just thought, well, that is his choice. You know, mm-hmm. some people really can't handle being friends with somebody if they're romantically interested and it's not returned. They just, they can't. But I just thought it's a real shame Cause Max doesn't have very many friends and he never has and she yeah. really does mean it you know and and it really it does break my heart when especially when it's male female this way although I know it can be the other way around but so often it's male female like the idea that like someone's value is all wrapped up in dating them you know like I don't blame him. I'm sure he was just quoting this, but I really do hate that expression the friend zone and he like explicitly used that and said that is a place I do not want to be. And I, I smiled when he said it because I'm like he's just repeating this and everything, but I also still thought ugh, <laughs> you know like like the idea yeah. that being friends with a wonderful person sucks. <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no <laughs> value in that and and I don't I don't think that's true. But of course, I get it. He's heartbroken. But I thought, well, Actually, Max, if we break this down, this might be harder on Dylan than it is you because you still belong to a loving family. And she is now not just losing you as a friend, but losing this whole support system that she had in your family. And, you know, if he had said,
0: I can't be your friend, Mm -hmm. I would have felt so different because I would have thought if you're so heartbroken that it's really tough for you to just be friends right now. Yeah, I get that. But because he said, "We're not friends, I interpreted it as she betrayed him. Yeah, she broke their friendship by liking someone else. I'm like, well, okay, now you're just through the looking glass yeah. because that is not a condition of friendship,
1: right? But he
2: doesn't understand that. He doesn't have the construct doesn't. to understand.
0: I think he thinks she here's like the wrong. friendship
2: column. Here's the significant other column. And here, you know, he just it's this training that he just hasn't had. And it's just, Ugh, just it's such a disservice that he doesn't have another adult working with him and continuously working with him on those skills so that
7: yeah. when
2: presented in a situation like this, he knows how to appropriately handle it as a teenage person, but also as a teenage person with autism. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you're so right. Cause you know what he doesn't understand. Cause in the next scene, I'm I'm going to play it in a second. Ugh. He says, I don't under, it doesn't make any sense why you like yeah. Aaron more than me. I think Max means that. I think Max is trying to figure this out like a math equation mm-hmm. and it, to him, it's not adding up. Therefore it's wrong. But as Dylan says, I don't know why I like him. I just do. Yeah. And like, where is the adult? It should not fall to Dylan to explain that to Max. Mm-hmm. There should be someone telling him, like you said, love doesn't always make sense. And I mean, look at your <laughs> uncle, Crosby <laughs> and Aunt Jasmine. Mm-hmm. Why are they together? You know, <laughs>
2: Mm-hmm. love doesn't love. make sense okay, but Hank, someone to tell yeah. him like it's not an <laughs>
0: equation it's not gonna add up all the time mm-hmm. and someone might know that someone isn't even like the best choice for them and they still love them anyway and mm-hmm. and yes it hurts when you're on the outside of that arrangement no one's asking you not to be hurt no. you just have to understand or accept it
1: i think something that this episode does that really upsets me maybe the most is I feel like it robs me of the opportunity to feel bad for Max. Cause I think back to when like Trevor peed in his canteen. Yes. It allowed me to see the humanity of Max. And I was just, I felt so awful for him and I should feel awful for him because getting your heart broken sucks. And of course I don't want that for him, but everything that happens is so egregious that it sort of like overshadows it, so I, I don't mm-hmm. want it to seem like I don't care about his feelings at all. I just oh, wish that Christina weren't only caring about his feelings, and and that's
0: so well put because yeah, it does make Agreed. it makes the protagonist feel like the antagonist. Yeah, yeah, and then I feel guilty,
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: for coming down so hard on him. Like, but but his behavior is reprehensible.
1: Reprehensible. It is. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. If he just kept it at his hurt. Yeah. You feel that. I felt that. You see it in yeah. his eyes. You see his body language, but then everything else was inexcusable. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think it's actually worse what Christina does because mm-hmm. he's a child and he's just never been, like you said, taught, you know? Yeah. And so Christina just keeps allowing him to behave this way. So, yeah. Anyway. Well, let's discuss let's the
0: inexcusable, it. reprehensible. Um, if I could just. Tip the listeners' ears to something. Just notice how many times Dylan says in this scene either "stop" or "please."
4: I've been thinking, and it makes absolutely no sense that you would like Aaron. You and I have more common interests than you and him. And also, I am taller than him. And objectively speaking, I am much more attractive. Yeah. Okay. Mash. So the only reason I can think that you like him instead of me is that I have not properly expressed the nature of my feelings. For yeah.
5: You. It's not. As such, I've made oh. you
4: this incredible and romantic gift.
5: That is fantastic.
4: As you can see, <laughs> I've incorporated horses into this collage, as I know you like horses, right. from this drawing that you made. Yeah, I see. Also, these are photos of you. Some of them are candid, some of them staged, and, and it shows is so my romantic. photography. Itself. So romantic. <laughs> it is an incredibly romantic gift, and as you can see, I like you very much, and I want you to be my girlfriend. Yeah, um, it's, it's completely creepy. Yeah. I don't care about what you two think. Do you like it? I, I can't take this, Max. I, I can't. I can't take this. Of course you can if it helps, I can also express my feelings for you verbally. No, that's, that's oh, okay. I that's totally okay. want to hear no, this. That's fine. No, please, go ahead. I enjoy the way you talk to me and the way that your hair smells. Okay, Max, can, your you, your can you please really stop. Good. Also, you have incredibly blue, pretty yeah. eyes. Max, can you please I've been told to compliment stop, your Max, eyes and your smile stop. from the internet. Max, <laughs> please stop. It does not, not make any not sense. That's not the point, Max. I just, can you please stop? No, please. I'm not going to please, stop. It well, doesn't make any sense that you it, would like him it, more it, than you like me, especially with this. Also, Max, I input it, all of our compatibility matches into into an internet matchmaker, and it told me. Max, buddy, can you come in my office?
3: No, for a I'm not day. coming. I need to talk. Lunch, to lunch is not over,
4: I and, and I am not done expressing my love Max, for Dylan. Buddy, Max, I don't I don't, I don't, care. don't love you back. Okay, I don't. Why? I don't know. I did What to is it it. I don't know, Max. I don't understand. I will
5: never love you. Okay, please, just leave me alone.
1: I weirdly think it's harder to listen to than it was to watch. Oh God, it it was, it is like, all I'm doing is just shaking my head. It's just, it's awful. It's
2: just awful, awful, awful. I mean, he's berating
1: her for
2: not feeling the same way. And I put, that's when I felt like he crossed the line when he started to become aggressive. Initially it was embarrassing and it was crossing a line, but it was still coming from sweet love. Like he really didn't know. But then when he crossed to yelling and being angry, it was like, oh my gosh, this is how assaults happen. You know, it's like, now I I was trying to get what I wanted in a nice way. Now you're not giving me what I want. So now I'm going to turn to this. And it was just, he already
0: assaulted Aaron earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, would he have done that I mean the big note I took I was like yeah he's clearly unhinged yeah and I while I have issues with that I do grant him some slack because of his age and his autism and like I've seen him have meltdowns before and yeah we know that he's not always when he gets like that you know in control of himself right but I do not understand why Christina didn't go over there and physically intervene uh-huh. like Christina, one of your students was being harassed by another one of your students. Yes. And she repeatedly said stop, and he didn't. And all you did was quietly beckon him to the
1: office? Yeah. Like, uh, Dylan deserved better than then, that. And then. Way better. Not,
0: I, I feel bad criticizing like Monica Potter's performance, or maybe this was direction or something. But all throughout this episode, I feel like there were these looks from Christina to Dylan. I these, did like, too. Why These like wide-eyed, oh. Like Mm -hmm. where she never said it, but I feel like, and there was a big one at the end of this when she says, I will Mm -hmm. never love you. This look of like, what did you just say to my son? It's like, yeah, you need to wipe that look off your face, Christina. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because that is not the issue here. And it's like you said, conflict of interest. Uh, That must be it. Cause yeah, it would hurt to watch someone yell at your son that they would never love him, but it cannot be about that right now. Or it cannot be only about that. And certainly Mm. she shouldn't face repercussions for not loving someone. No.
1: (sighs) No, uh, on that note, it reminded me after the distribution of the flyer scene earlier, when she was pulling Aaron and Max into her office, she told Dylan to pick up the flyers. She was like, pick this up, please, or something like that. And I thought, Yeah, I mean, it would have been so different if she was like, oh my gosh, would you mind picking this up while I talk to them you, you know like mm-hmm. I think it's okay to ask her for a favor but the way she demanded it kind of made it seem like since it's all your fault do yes. you guys- your mess yes. yeah yeah and it really that did not sit right with me either no. and I also yeah I'm like, of course Dylan screams, I will never love you. What other choice did she have? It wasn't like she... that Nothing else was getting through. Yeah, it wasn't mm-hmm. like that was like her first mode. She wasn't trying to be cruel. It was interesting to hear all the like other kids kind of being mean. What was that about? I was like, for this school, like they
2: were like your classic mean girls. I'm like... I thought that this was not the public school setting. Not that you can avoid that, I guess, in a specialized school, but I was just, that's what I wrote down. I was like, who are these girls? And they were bullies. Yeah. And so I was like, there was a whole bunch of behavior that was happening in that conversation in addition to this whole blowout. That was just, I I would like, my jaw was dropped. I thought, who are you? Where did you come from? I've never seen Dylan hang out with you. Why are you encouraging this? You should know he's not behaving this way because he knows better. He's behaving this way because he's just processing where he's at. I was so confused. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, what is happening?
0: I do think those mean girls serve as a contrast to how Dylan was handling it. Sure. Them, yeah. true. Because, you know, he unfurls this collage and Dylan says, that's really, and then the girl fills it in creepy. I don't think that's what Dylan was no. going to say. I'm sure I she's... think no. Dylan recognized this is actually very thoughtful yeah. and you know, the things I like and you put them in the collage and, and that was, I thought very thoughtful. Yeah. So it just goes to show that Dylan actually has some compassion and some care for him where others don't.
1: Yeah. I was confused because Christina said – That she was creating a (laughs) bullying-free utopia.
0: Oh, you said this would never ever happen. It would
1: never ever happen. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be snarky. Except that is hard for me as a public school teacher when she was like, "I'll just do it better," and it's like, okay,
2: it'll happen because I'm doing it. Yeah. I sometimes in our diversity work we always talk about like this armor that kids have to wear sometimes, and every time a situation like this, whether it's a derogatory term or max almost harassing, they're like mosquito bites. And a mosquito bite's annoying. And then another mosquito bite's even more annoying. And then another mosquito bite. And I felt like this is what's happening. Everything he was doing was a mosquito bite until she lost it. Yeah. Because yeah. that's what anybody's going to do after you've been bit that many times. Like she couldn't keep it together. Yeah. And I was just so disappointed that she didn't check in on Dylan, that she didn't even, Dylan, why don't you come here? You know, like, let me, just, let me screw that's you. That's a to great see.
0: idea. You yeah. know,
2: like- Let me get you out of this because yeah, this isn't, this is not right. You don't deserve to be treated this way. And especially after coming off of that conversation in your own home, you looked at her and you said, honey, it's okay that you don't like him that way. It just happens that way. So get her out of it. She's clearly being embarrassed. She's completely, you know, completely being egged on by these girls. Then let's protect her. And I just, in this last scene, she wasn't doing it anyways, but even more so I was so just irate, and I can't even imagine when her family will enter the picture. I don't know if and when that happens. I can't remember how that looks in the future. But if I found out this is what was happening to my daughter in the school, and then it was happening by the son of who's in charge of the school, I would pull her I mean, out. I just can't even handle it. Like I just, this does not happen in a school setting. Yeah. It doesn't I think go down other like parents
0: this. would take their kids out. Too. I think so they too. They heard that this happened. Yeah. God, and, I was. You know, just so and mad. I mentioned, like, listen, how many times she says, "Please and stop." Ugh. Because I felt like she actually maintained her composure much longer than I would have expected someone to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, she does not have to keep saying, please. Yeah. (laughs) Like she has said it seven times before that point. It's like, I think after she says it once or twice, (sighs) any reasonable person might blow their top. She held on for a long time trying to treat him with kid gloves. (sighs) Yeah, And you're right. It's only when enough of those bites piled up. Now, This does make me wonder, how would this story have changed if the object of Max's affection was not a sympathetic character Mm. and didn't show any interest in him? Let's say he was just drawn to someone who (laughs) didn't consider him a friend and didn't spare his feelings at all. Like, Max, get the fuck away from me. I mean, they're not going to say that. Yeah, we we
1: saw a very tiny version of that with Ruby like very tiny, because she's Mm -hmm. not a sympathetic character, I don't think. And (laughs) Mm -hmm. she she was just basically like, I'm doing things. Like, you know, and and (laughs) there was just no bite in that, though, because it was just like a very quick storyline and everything. But I mean, like that would... That would sort of be interesting to see if, like, yeah. that had played out
0: more. Well, and maybe that wouldn't work. I mean, maybe they would need to be friends mm-hmm. in order for mm-hmm. this conflict to even...
1: I don't know. Like, would
0: would Max be drawn to someone who wouldn't even give him the time of day? Maybe not. Maybe but not. let's say it's someone who has a fine family life. Uh-huh. She doesn't need the Bravermans for stability. And she just has no romantic interest in Max. Is it then clearer that Max is delusional (laughs) Mm -hmm. or is it is it more sympathetic less
2: when i think it would be like pre or post that conversation with his parents i feel like if he had never had that conversation with his parents and he ran into a significant other that did not reciprocate anything he was feeling i think it would be very black and white for him i think it would just be okay moving on
0: no way to fix it
2: yeah but i think having this conversation in the back of his head completely changes the way he frames this, because I feel like he has been kind of black and white, like, um, what Micah was Micah's friend, yeah. you know, and that was, he was his friend and then he wasn't. And that would there was no in between, you know, it was, and then he alluded to a little bit to more about what was happening, but he was able to cut it off there. And I think he would do the same because that was a little bit, he was friends with them. He felt it. It wasn't a romantic interest, but he still was feeling something towards someone else. So I feel like that conversation he had with his parents completely skewed how, how he would react.
1: It gave That's him hope so when there wasn't hope. And I think he, he's okay being that. Yeah. yeah. I think when Ruby turned him down, he was like, okay. Like, I mean, yeah. but he didn't care either. He just wanted a girlfriend. So that is different. Yeah. But, but he did hear her no and accept it. And I, I really do think that, I mean, when you really break down the scale of affection as fluid, I mean, that really does mean you can turn that no into a yes, doesn't it? And that is... Rape language is what that it is. is. You know? It's I mean, dangerous. Like, It's dangerous. So it's so dangerous. It's really not good. You should, No has to mean no. And when, when Dylan is saying stop in the cafeteria, he has to. I mean, yeah. yeah, it's just terrible. And see, and
0: I maintain that the scale is fluid. Like numbers can change, but you can't change them.
2: That's a good way of saying like, it. So it's
0: not, oh, you can turn that no into a yes. Mm-hmm. I think they can turn that no into a yes. Yeah. But it's. Kind of unrelated to anything you can do. If they're going to have a change of heart, that all happens inside of them. Yeah. You can't persuade them to like you. Yeah. I don't think. No. Yeah. And and like we said before, I think for someone as cut and dried as Max, it probably would have been wisest to just be like, no, it's not fluid.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And then if she does turn out to change, then. Oh, wow. We were wrong. What a pleasant surprise. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Or. have a professional explain this all to him.
1: Yes. (laughs) I did. I was just like, where's where's Dr. Pelican? Where's Gabby? Where's Dr. Pelican? Where are they? They need an appointment. Where are they? Yeah, stat.
0: Or even, you know, I joked a few episodes ago about like, oh God, what advice would Hank have given Max? But now I'm thinking Hank might have given better advice than-
1: I think so. Christina
0: is doing. Because I think Hank would have at least identified with him a little bit of like, I know- I know how much it hurts to have someone you like not like you back. Although <laughs> Hank turned Sarah's two into a five. He sure <laughs> well, maybe <did>. maybe <laughs> he didn't. Maybe the problem was that it always was a five. Yeah. But he didn't take no for an answer. He blew up her whole life. He sure and did. Then got her. He was he really rewarded.
1: <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Are we gonna play the the Christine? Okay, all right. We are.
3: Can we talk about this? I just want. I don't want to talk about it. I know it. you don't want to talk about it. Well, just can you just please listen? I know you're embarrassed. and I know that you're hurt. Okay, and that's totally normal. But I just want to tell you that I, I am so incredibly proud of you. What, the fuck? Ah, 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 ah. what you did up there took so much courage. And I thought that your collage was absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful.
4: Dylan's friend said it was creepy.
3: It's not creepy. There was nothing about that that was creepy, honey. You just showed your emotions, and and you know how many people can't do that? It conveyed everything that you're feeling inside. I had no idea you were feeling all those things, and it's just... (sighs) Buddy, listen, I know that it sucks right now, and I know that you're mad because Dylan doesn't feel the same way about you that you do her, but I gotta tell you, I guarantee that someday very soon, you're gonna have all these emotions again and it's gonna be for the right girl. And you know how you're gonna know it's the right girl? Because that girl's gonna like you the same way back. I can guarantee you. So I don't want you to get down, and I don't want you to get upset. Because what you did was truly amazing.
1: It doesn't feel amazing. Hold on to that instinct, Max. I know.
0: Mm-hmm wow
1: oh my god i mean Mm. literally my jaw dropped when she said i am incredibly (laughs) and i was ready for like disappointed or something and then proud i was like what the fuck and Mm -hmm. then what what did you get what was your reaction
2: it was just the difference between being a mom and being an administrator so if you're talking to him like a mom That's a whole different conversation, but you never had the other conversation with him. So now you validated everything that he did. Now you validated every move he made, every word he said, and every behavior was so wrong and so inappropriate as a mom, the things that she said to him, I do think there was value in that. I do think the way she was able to calm him down and bring him down. I agree with that, but you didn't do anything with the rest, you know, and you didn't maybe say like. I didn't know you were feeling, I think there was truth in some of what you said. So there was truth in, I didn't know you were feeling all these things. I didn't know you could express it this way. That was a really beautiful way to express it. What's not okay is shoving it in a person's face. What's not okay is continuing to express those things when someone is saying, stop. What's not okay. you know. So it was just, she didn't ever have one or the other conversation. So there's no nice way to say that, number one. Number two, you let him run out and you never treated him like a student. You've only been treating him like your son. And you just, again, you did him such a disservice. It was just, well, it was sad to watch. It was inspiring to watch, but then it was just angering. It was so maddening because it was just like you again, again, again. I mean, he almost like he could have, he could have done to Dylan what he did to Aaron. He could have like started to be like, why does it not make sense? He could have put his hands on her. He could have done these things. Like it could have gotten worse. It could have gotten so bad and you never address it. You never acknowledge it. And you go right to just this. I think that was just so wonderful. And it was just such a missed opportunity. It was just so, it's, that's all I can say. It's just maddening to know how many chances they had to make this right. And they didn't.
0: Yeah. And I feel like parenthood is at its best when there are those moments that feel really true and really authentic. And then the emotion kind of catches you off guard and like takes you by surprise and it really hits hard. This felt like they were trying to manufacture a moment of like, yeah. Oh, and now the tearful moment when his mom runs outside after him and she says the thing you're not expecting to hear. But I'm like, but the surprise was so out of left field yeah. that it almost didn't make sense. But Manal, I, I agree with exactly what you said. I was a little torn by it. Cause I'm like, well, the lesson that she's trying to instill in him, I think was a good one. It mm-hmm. is admirable to express your feelings, especially Max, who has never been able to yeah, do that. Yeah. And like, I thought has Max ever given a gift to anyone? Right. I, Good it question. was like, it was really, it was really tremendous in that regard, but you're right. She's neglecting another huge lesson, which is when someone doesn't return your feelings and asks you to stop, you got to stop. Mm-hmm. Also on a much smaller note, but sort of akin to the, um, you know, no one will get bullied ever. She says, I promise you one day you'll feel all these feelings again and that person will feel them back. I'm like, you don't know that. No, yeah. you I, make mean, that I promise. I'll be honest. That's never happened to me. And I'm two decades older than Matt's. Mm-hmm. And it does not make me feel better when someone's like, it's going to happen. I'm like, how about if not? when?" <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Don't <laughs> promise. Yeah. Yeah. That's don't true. Make we don't promises
0: know. You can't keep. Such and a you're not point. you're not equipping him
1: no you're which, not you know
0: it seems like a such a pattern and oh. i
1: know
2: adam wasn't in the episode but i felt like god there was so much value you could have brought him in in a way like oh my god adam you'll never believe what happened at school and i don't know what to do like i i don't know how you know just kind of presenting this opportunity where i feel like that's where you could have been the the good cop and the bad cop you know you could have He could have offered that voice of reason of, well, you do need to tell him that this is wrong or you, and I don't know that Adam would, or wouldn't have said that, but I feel like that could have been where they would have allowed her to be a bad guy and a good guy. So I think all they were trying to do was paint her to be a good guy for her son. And that's it. And it was just like, you could have done it all. You could have done it all in this episode. You could have been hard on Max. You could have been loving to Max. You could have protected Aaron. You could have protected Dylan. You could have done it all. You don't have the training to
0: do it. And you just really sucked. You really, really (laughs) sucked. And you know, if she caught herself at one moment, and I feel like I do remember kind of what happens next, and I don't think this happens, but maybe it's still coming. If Christina had a moment where she reflected on this and realized, oh my God, I only responded as a mom. I didn't Mm -hmm. respond as an administrator. I think I really messed this up. That I would have some sympathy with because I believe that you might get blinded by your feelings, especially in the moment. I don't begrudge her that necessarily. I mean, we were just talking before we got on mic how I was listening back to a part of a previous episode when she wasn't to make sure that Dylan was coming over to the house to visit Max and not because Dylan was missing her family. And I was like very hard on Christina and I listened to it again. And I thought, you know, maybe I actually changed my mind even from the like two weeks since we recorded mm-hmm. that episode. So you don't always know exactly what you feel and what you feel can change. And you can look back and go, oh, I should have handled that differently. But it didn't happen in this episode. And mm-hmm. I don't remember it happening in the future one. And I thought, it's okay to make a mistake. You just got to own up to it mm-hmm. when you realize it. And I don't think she does or will or has.
1: That's what this podcast has taught me. Like like I've said, I I forgive almost anything if people reflect on it, you know, once, mm-hmm. once Hank starts going to therapy, I'm like, all right, Hank, you know, it's like <laughs> water, <laughs> under, water under the bridge. I don't know. But yeah, I worry that I sound too harsh because I don't know. I think just as a woman, I think it was like a very triggering thing for me to just, I was just completely with Dylan instead of with Max. I, I just was like, Oh my God, if so, I was always uncomfortable if someone liked me and I didn't return his feelings anyway, but never did that person like scream at me, you know, like I just. Mm -hmm.
0: (sighs) Although you alluded previously to someone asking you out and you saying you were interested and their response was, okay, I can wait.
1: Yep. That has happened to me.
0: Has that kind of stuff happened to either of you?
1: That has happened. Uh, That has yeah. What is that? (laughs) You know, it's like, and it seems like the gentlemanly quote unquote thing to do. They're like, I'll just wait for your two to become a five. Like, I mean, I think that's Mm -hmm. part of why that whole scale thing triggered me.
2: Uh, yeah, I had, a, I had an incident in college. This person wanted me to do something, and I didn't want to do it. And the response was anger, and it was really scary. That's like uh, the only time I feel like I was in that position. And God, it makes me so grateful. I've never had some of the experiences that other people have had. But I feel like it could have been that way if I didn't get, remove myself. And I, if that person had a different past or maybe had different trauma, or if they would have acted a different way, it could have gone a different direction.
0: Wow. Yeah. Fun. Oh my and, God. And yeah, I mean, I'm no expert. Sorry. Cause I'm not heterosexual, but it does. That is a dynamic that really feels male to female. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I've ever heard, I mean, other than like swim fan or fatal attraction, you know, when it's like played for terror, I don't, you know, actually am I, am I uncovering something <laughs> profound here? Is this something that when the genders are flipped, it becomes a man's nightmare yeah. Is a man's greatest mm-hmm. nightmare a woman acting like a man towards him? Damn, yeah. yes. Because I don't think it actually <laughs> yes. ever yes. does happen. And so it's this sort of yeah. fantasy, and it's a negative one. So yeah. it's, a, yeah. it's a nightmare. I feel, like,
1: yeah. I feel
2: like we're dealing with that right now in our department. Really? Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, we just have a really aggressive colleague, and I really think there's a lot of gender wow. just gender things involved. Oh, God. In
1: that oh, that's awful. Have you ever heard or have I ever quoted on here before the the Margaret Atwood quote about it's something like a man's worst fear is that a woman will laugh at him and a woman's worst fear is that a man will kill her it's like real- oh God wow and I mean obviously there are so many exceptions you know women have killed men and men have laughed at women you know like but it's they
0: haven't because women aren't funny Melissa that's right you know? <laughs> I'm kidding because it's <laughs> we are it's, that's always so funny to me because like <laughs> All of my like funniest people. That's are
1: women. true. <laughs> Lisa Kudrow. Lisa
0: Kudrow. <laughs> Megan Mullally. Yeah, you know, Lauren like
1: Graham. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. I
0: find women funnier on the whole. But anyway, I think that's an interesting point, and I don't know that I've ever heard you say it.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I remember just reading that and feeling pretty stunned by it. And it does remind me. Here's a story I don't think I've told on the podcast. I remember when I was in college. And this was when I was dating that guy I've mentioned a few times. So I wasn't single. So this other guy, I guess liked me and he like sent me an email and I like I think just asking me out and and I wrote back and said that I had a boyfriend and he wrote back and it was like in it it, it was bonkers. It was like he didn't care that I had a boyfriend it just like outlined all the things he wanted to do to me. And they were all like sexual and disgusting. And I just like recoiled from the computer and it felt like assault. Like I, it, it it was just awful. And my instinct was to like, write him back and be like, fuck you. And then delete it. And when I told my then boyfriend about it, he was like, Oh, I think your instincts are backwards. I think you ignore it. And I think you hold on to it in case, you know, you ever have to have like proof that this, And I was like, Oh, I think you're right on both counts. Um, and luckily nothing ever happened. Um, except I just avoided him for the rest of college, but it it was, yeah, I I don't know. They're just the men can be scary. And, and
0: do you still think he was right? That advice?
1: Yeah, I do. I think it was good to ignore him. And I think it was good to hold on to that email. But it's an old account, so I don't think I have, I have it anymore, but it's 20 years later. I think that threat has probably passed. (laughs) I think we're good now. I hope. I hope. I haven't seen him in a long time. Yeah. But But, you know, yeah, you make a good point, (laughs) what
0: kinds of similar threats do women, you know, live with for years upon years?
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't mean to make it, I mean, we know Max is the thing. And so, so like, here's what it, where it's interesting, like. I think we're not supposed to see this as scary because we know Max. We're in his point of view more than we're in Dylan's. And obviously Christina doesn't think her son is scary. And so she doesn't approach it that way. But if I were Dylan, that would have scared me. And I know that we're now telling very dramatic stories that probably don't relate to Max. But you really do have to curb that behavior if you're going to like create someone respectful and who, you know, listens to women when they say no, you know, like, I I mean, it, it doesn't start with sex. It doesn't start with violence, you know? And so anyway, just.
0: And, you know, not to wade into something really over the top and beyond the scope of what we're talking about, because we are talking about freshmen in high school. Right. And, you know, but just like a few episodes ago when Dylan was going over to Max's house He says, well, she only likes me at a two. There's no chance of intercourse. And we laughed. And that's funny because like, ha ha of course they're not going to have sex. And then now we're telling these much more dramatic stories about women saying no and men not listening to them. It's like, well, that's not what was happening here. I think we all realized that. Like this is the first step down a much longer road. And it is just Mm -hmm. that step. But I mean, I think about like, who are the people that got pregnant when I was in high school? Sometimes they were freshmen. I mean, I I remember at least one couple, they were both freshmen. Yeah. That is on kids minds. Certainly some kids. So it's actually not laughable. I think that Max throws out the idea of intercourse because (laughs) while he, in most ways is so not ready physically, he is ready and he could have intercourse with someone and he's probably feeling you know, he's flooded with hormones. Those urges are in him. I think you have to keep that in mind. Oh yeah. When you're looking at his behavior and wondering where it could lead and how you have to prevent that. Like, I then mean, I'm not saying Max is going to go out and no. rape somebody. Absolutely not. But he needs to know he can't.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: you cannot treat people that way, especially if there is sexual desire involved.
1: People have sex younger. People have sex in middle school. I mean, I, I don't think it's yeah. the norm, but it happens certainly. And, you know, Manal and I both teach high school. And I mean, I have pregnant students right now. Mm-hmm. I teach creative writing. So I read a lot of really personal stuff where people tell me about like, like babies they've like miscarried or, you know, like or, or just, I, I don't know. Like it, It's just, yeah, it happens a lot.
0: Yeah, and maybe I shouldn't have brought it up because it's not what's being depicted. No, but, but he's
1: getting this
2: information. Yeah. I think it's worth saying, like, he's getting this information from magazines and books. And I mean, that's the, internet, the literature that yeah. was around at that time. And yeah. now when you think about how accessible that information is, even more so for for kids this age, it's scary. It's really yeah. scary. that kids are just growing up. They're really growing up. And it just, do you have the information piece with it? Do you have the consent piece with it? I think that's always been the key. So it's okay, you know, not, I guess not okay, but as long as you know what you're doing, as long as you're consenting to it. Yeah. And it's just crazy how the opportunities to teach that, like, um, at Henry's three-year well visit, you know, she's checking his penis. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I heard her say, now I'm touching your penis, but no one can touch your penis unless it's, you know, mommy, unless it's your parents helping you or a caregiver, you know? So she was already articulating that at three. Yeah. And I'm thinking about how many times, like, that is a conversation that's never
1: happening with people.
2: Yeah. So it's just... It's just
1: fascinating. And Caleb, here's why I think that it was really relevant that you brought that up. I think Christina still really looks at Max as a kid. And I think it's part of why his behavior doesn't alarm her more. I don't think she is seeing him as this young man who is of an age where people, some people, do have sex. And that's what made me think
0: of it. Because yeah. I thought. I'm looking at him as a kid. Right. But yeah. they mentioned at the beginning of this season that he's in high school
1: now. Yeah. And
0: I thought, yeah. And and while in so many ways high schoolers are still kids.
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: There are ways in which that is changing. And this is a yes. huge one. Yeah. So.
2: Yeah. And they're making adult decisions. You know, if you're making an adult decision, know what you're what you're
1: getting into if that were to happen. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah you're right. I think she thinks of him. As a little kid.
1: Yes. And it's part of what makes like Hattie and Drew's respective first times something that I felt so positive about because they were completely built on consent, you know, like, and, um, respect and care and love. And that's, that's, I think what, what you're shooting for. And they were both just like two years older than Max is now, right? Like, weren't they just juniors in high school, both of them? I I think so. And so, I mean, it's an interesting thing to think about and you know what, if we, sorry, but like if we trace it back to that conversation in the last episode or well, I guess it was a few episodes ago when Crosby's like doing the bases and he's like kissy kissy down South, everything's a fucking joke. Like, you know, like give this kid some real advice, like really talk to him. Don't laugh about sticky fluid when you're talking to, I mean, like there are times to laugh about things, but then there are times where something's like pretty serious and you need to make sure that the message is received. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: And that all goes to, which I think we all agree with like, so much of this stuff is not on max.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because he's, he's not getting good information Mm-mm. or good support. Yeah. How is a kid supposed to know any better? Yeah. Yeah. And if he doesn't get it, like you said, Manal, then he's going to go, he's going to check out books in the library and he's going to go online. I mean, he said in his little speech there somewhere, the internet told me that I should. The compatibility quiz. Qualities or some. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what? I get why you're doing this, but it's because there's a dearth of other resources around you. Yeah. He's being failed. Yeah. By a lot of people around him. Yes. Well, speaking of failures. hank storyline
1: oh boy
0: <laughs> this is the uh, aforementioned storyline with no bravermans in it yeah and I, I thought like it's like a backdoor pilot for the spinoff the Rizzolis. <laughs> you know like cheers had the tortellis yes you know, like, it, it, yes that made me wonder though is ruby's full name ruby Rizzoli?
1: huh probably yeah, yeah.
0: it's kind of adorable or kind of like how did you Saddle her with that name.
1: It's why she's so angry. She's like, my name's oh, right. adorable. I hate you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you suck. Oh
0: man. So this whole conflict is built on the fact that Sandy's going out of town. Ruby's going to spend a night alone, and Hank is busy that night. I didn't understand right from the word go. Yep. Why the plan all along wasn't for Ruby to stay home alone. And Hank to check on her when he was finished at work. Right. I mean, it's not like he was busy from noon one day constantly until noon the next day. He had like a meeting with a client in the evening. So check on her before, check on her after. And let her know that you're going to do it. Yeah. So that she knows she can't get away with anything.
1: I'll see you and I'll raise you. Okay. I didn't understand (laughs) why the plan wasn't she sleeps at Hank's. Because even though he has plans <laughs> that evening, they're not all night long. Like so, then he just goes yes. home to his house <laughs> where there's no party because she knows he's coming home after work. What? This is
0: just a total idiot plot, it which is, is. It was. the conflict really would fall was. apart if all the characters weren't idiots.
2: Yeah. Did you end up looking up how far Kilroy was? <laughs> I did. Oh, I
0: didn't.
1: Oh. Okay. I was curious. Should we do it right now?
0: Well, now I have to do it. Let's watch the magic
1: happen. He's doing it, everyone.
0: Gilroy to Berkeley. It just looks like a little south of San Jose. An hour and 25 minute drive, according to Google. Not convenient to go back home, but she could do it. Yeah. Without like, oh, now I have to rearrange flights.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I will say this. It was very well acted, Like, of course, all three of these actors are very good. It's not like I I didn't enjoy it at all. I just, ever since Caleb sort of mentioned, like, we're spending all this time with all these non-Bravermans, I just, I felt a little bitter. Like, we've never had a Jasmine-centered storyline with no, you know? know, I just thought, why do you get this, Ray Romano? Even though, I admit it, you're amazing. Like, I just, yeah, there was something about it that felt not right. Like I'm loyal to the people who have been on there since season one. I'm like, Mark Sear. We, we never met anyone in his family. We never saw yeah. his brother get married. I don't know. Whatever. It's yeah. fine.
0: It was pretty funny when he was like scoping it out from his car. And he's like, I think that's marijuana paraphernalia. Yep. It's yes, marijuana. Yes, that is. Yeah. And yeah. I loved how Sandy was talking to him. Like, Hank, there is a keg in my living room. I yeah. need you to get it
1: out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: She made it sound like it was a raccoon or something. There's a <laughs> raccoon oh, yeah. in my living room. You gotta get it yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, when Hank finally went in and busted up the party, season six is really turning me around on Hank, and this made me like him even more.
6: It's an interesting uh, bunch of friends you got there. A couple of weirdos, older kids.
5: Yeah, I really don't know how they all showed up. I I only invited like a couple of people yeah like four people and then hmm.
6: that's how these parties go you know
5: yeah yeah you get it i mean mom would totally not get it and she would like yell at me and yeah well you're not gonna tell her are you please she
6: already knows are you kidding wait
5: you told her what do you think you didn't no, you. You, clean have up. To, look, we you have, have to clean call, this call it up. and tell her that it wasn't that big of a deal. That it was just me and like I'm... a couple friends. and... It's uh, What do you mean? She it's likes... obviously
6: a big deal. There's. Uh, look. Look around. There's yes. a. There's a keg in the bathtub.
5: Why are you getting so mad at Cause me? Because you lied to I me. I told you.
6: You lied to me. I trusted you. Then you okay. told me that you loved me, which obviously was to manipulate me, and it did.
5: I'm going to bed.
6: No, you're not going to bed, Ruby. We gotta clean this up, Ruby.
5: Oh, yeah, yeah. And I told you I loved you just to manipulate you, okay? Because I really don't love you at all. (laughs) I hate you. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Caleb's laughing at that.
0: (laughs) I I just, I love how dramatic a turnaround (laughs) it is. And when she first says it, I thought that she was actually kind of legitimately offended. That's what I thought, too. The only reason I would say I love you is to manipulate you? Well, you're right. I don't love you. I hate Actually, you. Actually, <laughs> I hate you. And, like, and yet I totally buy it. But the thing is, I think it kind of reveals that it was all calculated. It's like, well, now you're just saying I hate you to provoke a different reaction. Yeah. And you don't really mean that either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, But, you know, especially after our talk about Christina, mm-hmm. I think Hank handled this better than Christina handled her I situation, you know, like,
2: yeah.
0: Oh, don't tell mom. Of course I don't mom. She already knows. Yeah. That. And like, this is my way of loving you is that I have to discipline you
1: mm-hmm. and it doesn't
0: feel like it right now, but it's actually me being on your side. Yes. And it feels like a lesson that other parents would do well to heed.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it was a rite of passage as a parent for Hank, you know? And I mean, especially cause he hasn't really gotten to be a parent whether that was his choice or not. I don't know what really a lot of the backstory there, but it did feel like a rite of passage. And even at the end, when Sandy brings him, you know, brings Ruby to the apartment, it's almost like she wanted to be punished. Like, I do feel like Ruby's acting out a little bit. And I think she's acting out for some attention or something. And I think she got a little bit, I think I think there's something to be said about what Sandy, the whole reason Sandy brought Ruby, she needs to be around her dad. Mm -hmm. And so I think this was a great example of that all the way and all the drama all to come to that conclusion of, I did want you to care about me a little bit. I did want to get in trouble a little bit. And I did just want to spend some time with you a little bit. So how they got there was entertaining. You know, yeah. But yeah, I yeah. think a lot of things that didn't make sense initially about the story, but you get it. they They have to do it for the sake of the story. Yeah. Yeah. But I felt like he kind of checked... Like, oh, my God, I finally got to be a dad for the first time. You know, I got something to be hard. And it was cool seeing him and Sandy commiserate about that on the porch. And then the banter between Hank
6: and Ruby at the end, I just thought was really, really sweet.
0: I actually really liked that Hank and Sandy scene on the porch.
6: Hey, uh, they're all gone. All the kids are gone. I got them all out and I cleaned up the whole place. So don't worry. It's all clean. Thank you. Where's Ruby? She is asleep and hating me. Not funny. No, it's no joke. I mean, she actually said it. Said those words. She said, "I hate you, Dad."
3: Well, I'm sure she didn't mean
6: it. I'm pretty sure that she did. It sounded like she did.
3: Yeah, she she probably did (laughs) (laughs) mean
6: it. Happy? I don't get it. What do you? Is this like an Asperger's thing that I can't?
3: No, no, I'm livid actually. But with Ruby, I feel like this is the first time I'm not on my own in this, and it's nice.
6: Yeah. What do we do now, though? We got to punish her? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
3: We are going to ground her ass ground to her. the wall. Yeah. Three weeks.
6: Three weeks. Minimum.
3: We could discuss it over a drink. Did the kids bring anything good?
6: Actually, there's a bottle of uh, brandy. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Blackberry brandy. Remember that? That'll do. Yeah. Crack that open. I feel oh. like getting drunk. Mmm. <clears throat>
7: Oh, yeah. That tastes like high school.
6: Hmm. I gotta tell you, though, when, um, when she said, I hate you, even if she didn't mean it, it hurt. <laughs> yeah.
3: I know. But even if she did mean it, she won't in the
6: morning. This is hard.
3: <laughs> I know. <laughs> I didn't
6: think it was going to be this hard.
0: Yeah. It was by far the most I've ever liked Sandy. Mm-hmm. And like, while I was a bit distracted, <laughs> this is an entire storyline with no Bravermans. I did still like seeing a side of her that makes me understand why Hank might have ever married her. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've heard Melissa, you say a lot when they show like bad marital dynamics, you know, like, if, that's what you think marriage is or if that's what anyone thinks marriage is why does anyone get married yeah and between Hank and Sandy there I saw a spark of like oh this is how you guys once got along so well that you thought you were in love with each other and got married and lived together and procreated like I actually (laughs) believed it and when Sandy was first introduced she did seem like a very stock character like just the shrill ex-wife And I do appreciate that they have fleshed her out and shown like, no, she was not only a decent person. She was like fun and interesting and attractive, which you'd have to believe if Hank built a life with her. Oh, Yeah. yeah.
1: You know, a really small thing that I thought they did very, very well was they could have made it seem romantic when she's like, Says something like, let's talk about this over a drink. But instead, yeah. she follows it up with, did the kids leave anything good? And then yeah. did not feel romantic, right? Agreed. It, it felt like we're co-conspirators or like, we'll show them, now we're the one, <laughs> you know? Yeah. like yeah. The, yeah. Or
0: even just like, this is freaking exhausting. Yes, yeah. yeah. Like, let's commiserate. Yeah, yes. yes.
1: And I appreciated that because I thought... Me too. Yeah, too many shows, I think, would just be playing her as like a threat coming between him and Sarah. And if they did that, I'd be like so exhausted and over it. I would. While Sarah's up in Napa. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be like, nothing good ever happens when she goes there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I'd be like, look, I wasn't on board with these two in the first place. So it's not going to take much for me to become non-invested. All right. You can't, you can't mess with it. Um, So I like that they're not going in that direction because I actually Mm. do like her. Uh, Sarah and and Hank together. And I think it's nice that he's not just calling his ex-wife a shrew and he's like seeing the humanity. And I think it's very healthy yeah. that he's able to talk to her this way.
0: I mean, it really occurred to me, it's not for the first time, but when you have a child with someone, you are bonded to them forever in some yeah. way. It might as well be as peaceful a relationship as you can make it. And, you know, him being on this good of terms with Sandy is only to everyone's benefit. His, Sandy's, Ruby's, Sarah's. Yeah. It is better if they get along. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it was nice that she just finally, I could see, I just, again, I feel like a lot of their dynamic I've seen mirrored, just seeing my husband with his ex-wife, but it was just nice. She finally felt like she had a partner. Yeah. You know, and I was like, and I feel like he's finally, he's finally coming to terms that you know, him having autism or him still questioning, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't has led everything to this point. So it's been really cool seeing kind of over the course of the last few episodes of him divulging and him kind of saying, this is where, this is what I, I, I don't know right from wrong. I don't, you know, and just seeing her kind of her wheels turning saying, God, this makes sense. How did I miss this? You know, now, and allowing that space now for the three of them as a family, even though they're not a married family, but as a family, yeah. And I, I really like how it's unfolding because I did think I, there was a hint of, They're throwing her back in and Sarah's going to get the boot. But I like that they the way they've done it. It just feels like it's been very gradual, very team-like. And I was proud of him for just actually stepping up. At one point, I didn't think, I thought I, for for some reason, I thought I remembered he never broke the party up and she had to come and break the party up on her own. I thought that's what I remembered. So I was really glad to see him step up and do that. Yeah, Yeah,
0: well, yeah. I think when you said it was a rite of passage for him, that's such a good term for it. Because I think that is exactly what we were supposed to take from it. She hangs up on the phone with him thinking he can't handle this. I'm going to go do it. And then by the time she arrives, he manned up and did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: It's really awesome.
0: And he probably didn't think he could either. I mean, the last shot of that scene, I think, is him ducking out of sight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know,
1: like, so he reclines a seat back like he's
2: on yeah. a stakeout.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, so,
2: yep. That's a keg. That is a keg walking into your house. Yep. But that better is late than never. Oh, it was just
1: so funny. He yeah. he is hilarious, and he completely yeah. was in this episode too. Yeah. Random about Sandy was Sandy on a date?
2: Didn't it look like she was sitting with someone or at the bar when she got the phone call? That's a good point. A little
0: overnight I to Gilroy. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: yeah, I was like, wow. Oh my
0: goodness. When I googled it, it did say it was the romance capital of California. <laughs> It did not. Say
2: that. <laughs> it, did not say
1: that. it did not.
2: It did not. But like a little work nightcap, you know. I was like,
1: oh, oh she. I, see what I wonder what if her date was Adam. <laughs> That's his business.
0: Yeah, his business is. Uh, he's. I can't believe he's cheating on Sarah with.
1: <laughs> Sarah. <laughs> oh my god. Wouldn't that be wild if they just like threw like a total wrench in it and it was like, like it really was Adam and like they just oh. it was like a total like misdirection thing and you're like oh my god and then ended. what if
0: they never brought it up and the series ended with like us the viewers knowing he's actually cheating on his family and none yeah. of them
1: suspect <laughs> no god no. that would blow it up that's terrible that would blow it what
0: up. an odd place we've gone to
1: we have we have. We definitely do need to finish with um, Hank teaching Ruby um, poker, though. Oh, poker. I did love that. It was
2: so sweet. I really loved
1: it. Yeah.
2: And I liked that. You know, I mean, she could have been dramatic and just like pouted and whatever, you know, but she like, not that she was flirting, but it was like she just had this, (laughs) like she it's almost like she wanted to get in trouble. And she almost wanted the punishment to be that she had to hang out with her dad. That's the vibe that I got from her. She was not hating every moment of being grounded.
0: Yeah, yeah, it didn't seem like it. Something I thought the show and this young actress have both done really well is show the like highs and lows of teens. Yeah. Because earlier, like when she said, I hate you, it was very dramatic, but didn't seem unbelievable to me. Agreed. No. You know, it seemed like Hank had shown his vulnerability in saying, mm-hmm. you know, you lied to me, you manipulated me, and that's a very vulnerable thing to say to her. And she took that vulnerability and stomped it into the fucking ground. Yeah. yeah, She was just trying to hurt him as much as she could. Yeah. And then we go from that to her learning poker where she's smiling and charming Mm -hmm. and utterly delightful and, like, teasing him. And he's saying, oh, no, no, don't don't show emotion. She's like, oh, so you're really good at this game. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it wasn't mean. It was so cute. It wasn't mean at all. And she seems kind of happy to be there. And I thought this is – I mean, I've never had a teenager, but I hear these stories where people are like, it's like Jekyll and Hyde. One yeah. one minute they're like your sweet little baby, and the next minute they're this unrecognizable monster and they swing yeah. wildly from one to the other, and I'm like that's what she's doing.
4: Yeah.
2: It and is. I believe
0: both sides, and so I do too. I'm left to believe this is a accurate representation <laughs> of a teenager.
1: I agree. I think I really appreciated this little coda of of poker. Because otherwise, I think she can sometimes veer into like almost caricature, you know? So I think it's good to have these scenes to like even it out because, you know, there are times I'm like, good God, what is the matter with this? you know, like it's just, (laughs) I've never really, I mean, she is like when she's bad, she's like the worst behaviors I've ever taught. Yeah. I also did want to mention several episodes ago, we kind of alluded to this when Amber kind of handled... You know, Ruby Mm. sneaking out and we're like, it does seem like she's learned her lesson. Do we want to revisit that now that it seems like she did not learn her lesson? Or are we like, maybe she did. She wasn't drunk at this party. Or is it just like, you know what? Give her time. The party just started. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Mm. Maybe this was a different lesson to learn. I don't know. I still think Amber did the right thing with the information she had. But I agree. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think I agree that, yeah, she hadn't been drinking excessively.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, this was a different but the lesson. The night
0: was young. The, <laughs> the night
1: was, was young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess.
0: also think it wasn't that one was about, you know, she said other people were doing it and she felt like she had to participate. The dynamics of this did seem different because it's like, well, now I've got a house and I can mm-hmm. be the host. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And everyone will want to come hang out with me, but not for a game night. Right. So I got to make it a fun party and let people bring whatever they want to bring because it also didn't seem like she was providing any of this stuff agreed so she was providing the house that probably felt like a different kind of acceptance she was going
1: i agree that's the vibe i got you i did think it was really interesting how she was like welcoming people into the house it felt like she was trying to be a grown-up or something she was like oh you made it like
5: Mm-hmm. I don't like,
1: and then she just like would grandly mm-hmm. hug everyone. Like, I don't know. I, I, it was sort of fascinating to watch. I'm like, what is this? Yeah. What are you doing? And it was like yeah. excessively polite. I don't know. You
0: know, what's so funny though, the older I get, the more I'm able to notice that that is what kids and teenagers and then young adults and then middle-aged adults. It's what everyone does is they're just imitating what they think behavior is. And I was like, Oh, that's like sociology or anthropology. I don't know what the right word is, but that's just how people operate. Isn't it? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it's how babies learn to speak. They just Mm -hmm. listen and watch grownups do it. And then they just imitate it. And then that's how you learn like any skill, at least on some level, you just copy. And so she's probably just trying out. What is it like to have a house? And I mean, I remember when I soon after I first started driving, I would sometimes drive around like fancy neighborhoods in Pittsburgh and pretend that I had a house there. i like, oh, I'm just driving back from church. and We're going to have people over. And I would pretend that in my head. <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, that's felt what- very satisfying at the time. And I think I was just imagining what it would be like to be an adult.
1: That's what like Mm. your aunt and uncles do. Like they go to church and then have everyone back to the house. Yeah. 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 I was probably just imitating that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I feel like I made up a backstory about her. Like, because she's still relatively new to moving. Yeah. So she doesn't know a lot of these people. So I'm like, was she kind of like the new girl? And then everyone got wind that the new girl was having people over. And then now she turns into the cool girl because she hosted this party. And then I was like, Was Jake there? You know, Jake was this big topic of conversation, you know, in the episode of the episode before. And so was she kind of like trying to be cool and maybe not drink so much, like kind of pulling like a mean girl's, you know, is the guy that I like going to come? And is he going to come with other people that I know? And it was just interesting. It was almost like, (laughs) Yes, it was almost like her rite of passage for being in this community and in this new town and in this new school, even though she's having like the normal trials and tribulations of anybody at that age. So yeah. I made up this whole story. Cause I was like, who, where did all those people come from? Like, does she have that many friends? Why isn't she crying to those friends about Jake when she's like super upset? Why isn't she being like, my parents suck to these people. You know, it's like, usually you have a community of friends that you are always sharing these anecdotes with you know god my dad sucks and my mom's going out of town and but so it just i just i feel like i made up this whole backstory for her i love that i think that's great
1: yeah
0: well moving on to the last of the three storylines three finally jasmine had like a full-fledged episode yes and renee was back Yay. yes Yes. and at least according to imdb this is not her last appearance good i I thought that it must be like we're really getting to the end here but apparently it's not
1: good i adore her
0: (laughs) now so when i take my notes i take them in real time as i'm watching so sometimes i'll like pose a question that then gets directly addressed but i'm still going to read this one so at the beginning of the episode when jasmine mentions this filing job to crosby and she's like it's 30 dollars an hour and he is so like "Mm, well you don't want to do that do you I just wrote, what did you make of Crosby's initial reaction to Jasmine taking the filing job? I would imagine he appreciates her taking a job she might not be excited about, unless he's just a total pig. Do you think he views either of them doing something they don't love as failure? And then I feel like the episode does kind of answer that question.
2: Yeah, yeah. But I feel like it took so long to get there. Like, I feel like he was a pig at first. And then I put in my notes, I'm like, if you're so taken aback that you're so, that Jasmine has to step up and do something, then you do it. If you feel like you suck so bad and you feel like you're not providing for your family, then step up and do something instead of like sulk about it and whine about it and be such a brat about it like that. I just, I just didn't get it. I didn't get why he was responding that way. And then I know they, he unravels a little bit and talks about it a little bit. Finally, we get some answers of this like midlife crisis meltdown that he's going through, but. Initially, I'm like, why are you so embarrassed that she's having to step up for the family? Because at least someone is.
0: Yeah. Well, and it does seem, I think even after watching the whole episode, it does feel like there is some selfishness to it. Because it doesn't seem so much like he views either of them doing something they don't love as failure. I think he views it as his failure. Mm. Oh, your wife can't even do the thing she likes because you're not doing your job well Mm. enough. And I know he says, like, well, you want to open a dance studio. So it's not like he's not thinking about what she wants at all. But it still feels like if I were a good enough husband doing my job, then my little woman wouldn't have to do anything she didn't like. I'm like, no, that's not great. I mean, no, it's not great.
1: (laughs) It does feel like a bit of a Braverman trait, I guess, Mm because Adam wasn't super happy about Christina working although that felt different because it was work she was excited about but in a way this is work jasmine's excited about not the work itself but just the opportunity i mean like the way that she yeah she the way she explained it at the end i thought listen to her she's Mm -hmm. she's fine i think what she doesn't want is for you to like freak out on her mom and then Grab weed on your way out and then like throw a baby fit and then get into a screaming match with a guy instead of taking your pregnant niece immediately to the hospital. Like, I just, just like, whatever. Sorry, I probably, I think you're right. Probably all of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that's, yeah, I think that hits it on the nose. I mean, you guys, I feel so bad saying this. There are times that I find Crosby insufferable and I'm like, how did I ever love him so much because he, I remember uh,
2: there are moments. He was amazing. Yeah, They they have just, I mean, you guys hit it in the nose for last season and into this season. Like it just gets old. Yeah. Like you have the most incredible partner on the face of the planet and you, everyone in the show has done her a disservice and then you're treating her like shit. And then you just are a fucking brat. Like you're acting like a baby. You're acting like the baby of the family. There's no other way around it. Yeah. Every single thing that your family members have said about you, is coming to life. So like (laughs) grow up, you know, like just, ah, yeah. And I just, I feel like he, how vulnerable he was at the end. I wish he'd been that way the whole time. That's all that Jasmine's been asking for. Talk to me what's going on. And I wish he could have just, I wish we could have seen this, just him, just like break down. I think we're going to lose the business. You know, I think that, but he did it later. He didn't do it then. He had so many opportunities to share how he was feeling and to share this idea that he thought he was a failure and whether it be validated or not, she would have listened. She would have been there. She would have been the partner that she is. And I just, I feel like it was almost just disrespectful to her to just leave her in the dark this long. And then that's the reveal. Like, that's how you come out. It just, he was insufferable. And this, like, it just.
0: Yeah. Well, and you know, we were touching on something. I'm going to go a little bit out of order because I think you hit on something that I had noticed, but hadn't really been able to like articulate. He doesn't share things with her, but I think we're meant to feel sympathetic, and I think I do actually feel pretty sympathetic for him because I think he puts a lot of responsibility on himself instead of sharing it. Mm -hmm. And it was an aspect of this argument that they had that I really liked, the way that Jasmine reframed what he was saying in this scene. What
7: are you doing?
8: I told you, Amber and I gotta go to the club to hustle that band.
7: Yeah, I know, but what's up with the pot? I mean, it's Tuesday.
8: <laughs> oh, we're on a no pot on Tuesdays rule now. No more motorcycle. I need a different career. And now, no weed. Okay. okay, yeah. Here we go. Have no, it I all. don't want yeah. that. Take it. No. Weed police. Please. What? What's wrong with you? Hey, honey. You went and told your mother that I'm having financial problems. You know how emasculating oh, that is.
7: I took a crappy desk job. It didn't take a genius to figure it out. Yeah. And we are having troubles.
8: Yeah. Uh-huh. We, you and I. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Okay. Uh, believe not me. not just I, you. I, yeah, I know it's not just me. I know that there are four people I'm failing right now. You, Aida, Jabbar, me. I'm not providing And We're all
7: in it. this together. Okay. Why can't you get that?
8: All right. You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna take your mom's advice. We're gonna be a husband and wife real estate. Oh, team. Come on. Let's so get our you- faces on park benches. That'll be great. This is what I do. This is how I provide for the family.
0: I actually loved what Jasmine did in that Mm -hmm. scene. And it's ironic that she had to scream it at him.
5: Yeah.
0: (laughs) But I think what she was really saying is you are not alone in this. Mm -hmm. You do not have to carry this whole responsibility yourself. I see that that is what you're feeling. And I wish I could relieve you of that burden. Because it's not all on you. It's on all of us. We are in it together. I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. And that feels like such a great partnership. Mm -hmm. And he's he's resisting it out of some chivalrous idea of like, I need to be the provider. Which there are worse traits, but it's making him miserable. Mm -hmm. And it's giving her short shrift to the ways in which she can contribute. And I don't love this conflict but it's a more interesting conflict than we've gotten from them in such a long time yeah that i really true. appreciated yeah, it yeah. i was like well and it does feel believable like
2: yeah
0: it feels consistent with their characters and everything yeah i wish he could open himself up to her a little more
1: mm-hmm. i mean by far the most i've liked him this season was the one time he did a couple episodes back the, the same one where they, they give Jabbar the Harry Potter party, you know, and he, oh, yeah. he like, really talks about that. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I don't know. I also feel like, well, they've had that talk. Why are they still in this place? You know, I I don't really understand. But maybe it's like he got vulnerable, and then it almost embarrassed him or something, and so he's avoiding. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But it's like such either. a bet How can you not see how much better of a look that is, that vulnerability, than like man baby you know i just i i don't understand how he thinks that is more appealing as him just like stalking off
0: yeah well and it's not i get if he had to be like vulnerable like that in front of the whole world or something Mm -hmm. that he'd be resistant to it but all she's asking is for him to be vulnerable like that with her yeah yeah and I feel like he can bring himself to do that. And he's not embarrassed, at least not cripplingly embarrassed. And I don't feel like she has made it embarrassing for him to reveal those things. No. I mean, you know, there might be people who would react very negatively to that kind of vulnerability. Yeah. Like, oh, be, a, be a man or, you know, that's not who he married. and That's yeah. not how she reacts. So, no. like, I don't know. He doesn't need to be afraid of that. I don't know. Yeah. Well, let's deal with what he said about, you know, you went and told your mom about our financial situation. Let's roll the tape.
7: Thanks for making this happen, Mom. Of
0: course. I must admit, I was a little surprised that you took the job.
7: I thought you didn't want to go back to work until Aida was a little older. Okay, Mom, out with it. You don't have to dance around it. Dance around what? Well, Jasmine, I know that being a file clerk is not your dream, so... I'm not gonna pretend that I'm not a little worried. Well, you don't have to worry, you know? Things are just a little bumpy at the luncheonette, that's all. How bumpy? Jasmine, I am your mother, and if you were having financial problems. We're not having problems yet, but Crosby's optimistic, things will turn around. Honestly, I don't, I don't know. Hey, Ben. Irene. Is <laughs> who's that?
0: Is this uh, your daughter? It <laughs> certainly is Jasmine that he's
7: been. He's one of our senior accountants. Hi, nice Great. to meet you.
8: Very nice to meet you. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to tell you how amazing your mother is. She is, She's yes. our rock star around here. <laughs> Hope you'll be here for the long haul too, though. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks Ben.
7: What? This is too good for you? I didn't say that. All right. We might be doing this for 10, 20 years together, girl. Got benefits?
0: <laughs> okay, a couple of trivial things first. I thought Renee looked fabulous. She
2: did. Agreed.
0: In her outfit. And am I correct that like previously we've seen her in much frumpy isn't the right word, but like Dowdier? Not not form fitting clothes. She kind of like covers herself up. And this was like a very tight dress. Mm -hmm. Not in like a
1: inappropriate way. Yeah. Yeah, But I was just like,
0: wow. You're gorgeous. I I wonder if like Tina Lifford was like, can I please show everyone like how good I look? (laughs) Well, you did Tina, but Uh a little more substantive. On my second watch, I remembered that Renee was unemployed not too long ago. Yeah.
4: I
2: put that in my notes too.
0: Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow. I'm really glad that she landed somewhere that seems to pay well. And where she's so appreciated at least by this Uh Ben guy.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Mm hmm.
0: But now my question to the panel yes. is was she being overly nosy?
2: I did not feel like she was Yeah I didn't I, I felt like she was with her in reason. she was curious she was still honoring the things Jasmine was passionate about and I think Jasmine said it right. It doesn't take a genius to kind of connect the dots. yeah so I think she divulged enough. I don't think she emasculated him. I don't I don't think anything was happening in that conversation now I do think maybe she took it a little too far bringing it up at dinner. Mm -hmm. I feel like that either I think Jasmine needed to be the intermediate of that conversation, that conversation, I think didn't need to happen at the dinner table. And especially knowing that's already a a trigger for Crosby. Mm -hmm. He's already triggered by feeling like Renee, like is in charge of him or knows too much about him or that he's not thought of in the best way in front of her eyes. You know, like, I think he cares about Renee's opinion and cares about how Renee thinks he can take care of their family. Yeah. So I think that's maybe where it went too far. But I think that conversation was fair.
0: You know, I'm so sorry to interrupt Melissa. No, no. But something you said was just like a light bulb for me. What has Crosby's, what's been the label that his whole family hangs around his neck his whole life?
1: Irresponsible.
0: Irresponsible, deadbeat, freeloader, can't take care of himself. It just makes me appreciate why this might be a trigger for him in particular a little more. It's like, He's trying to shake loose this assumption that people make about him. So it's beyond just some like masculine feeling of, well, the head of the family provides for everyone. And it's more like, no, Crosby the deadbeat is not a deadbeat. I can do this. Yeah. And then when it feels like forces beyond his control are lining up in a way to make it look like he can't. It gives me a a different appreciation for how frustrating that would be. Anyway, okay.
1: No, I love that. Continue. Well, maybe that's why he like resorts to like kind of old Crosby behaviors. Like, I mean, I did think it seemed a little out of character for him to insist on bringing the weed out with him. I was like, I feel like we haven't really seen much of that from him in a long time. And so I didn't really understand. But like, maybe if he's just like, oh, fuck it, you know? But. I was gonna say, to be really honest, it's hard for me to be objective about this because, as far as the show goes, right now I'm liking Renee a lot more than I'm liking Crosby. And so I was like, yeah, you know, she's someone who's listening to you, Jasmine, and Crosby's being kind of unreasonable. Confide. But Manal bringing up the fact that like Renee took that information and used it to like meddle at dinner and wasn't just a confidant, wasn't just someone that Jasmine could confide in. She didn't just listen. She then made a big mess of things. That was very triggering for me now that I really think about it because mm. there have been many boundary issues with, honestly, <laughs> both Mark's mom and my mom. And it's it's tricky. They're both like single moms and and. I think that Mark and I have had to really learn to be very careful what we say, because we may think it feels good to confide in a parent, but it's actually better for us to confide either in each other or in like a close friend that we can really count on, because often that will sort of come back in in a, in a way very similar to how Renee had it sort of come back. And I'm not even saying it's out of malice. I don't think what Renee did was out of malice, but even if it's well-intentioned, it's in a way that that often just makes things much worse. And you should just be able to talk to someone and they just listen and they don't feel like they're trying to fix it for you. That's often not what the person needs. So,
0: Yeah. That's such a good point because I was thinking, listening back to that scene, Jasmine absolutely did not tell Renee about their money troubles. Renee brought it up. Yeah. And so then Jasmine... Confirmed. And, you know, I think you're right, Manal. She didn't exactly like spew forth details, yeah, but she didn't deny reality and she didn't, you know, cut her off there. It would have been nice if Renee had sensed that that was a confidential moment. Yes. That Jasmine was sharing something very vulnerable about Crosby that, of course, he wouldn't want her to know. Yeah. And she didn't quite read the room. Yeah. Because it does. I think she was trying to help yeah. Probably in her mind.
1: What would have been better, I think. She
0: should, maybe should have told Jasmine. I was about privately. to say exactly that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, if you really think there's the answer, let Jasmine decide if that's something she wants to talk about with Crosby. She probably would have said, no, thank you, but thank you. You know, and and her feelings wouldn't have been hurt, I don't think. Yeah, it would have been a lot better than at dinner in front of Jabbar too, like it's, you know. I was so proud of Jasmine at work today.
8: (laughs) She said you guys had a great time. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. I
7: know it's not your dream job, but you know, you do what you have to do in this economy. Yeah. Mm. I mean, this economy has been hard on a lot of people. Mm. I was talking to a girlfriend at church and her son just got his real estate license. Mm.
8: That's great. Mm.
7: I guess you don't have to have previous experience. He just sold his first house.
8: Really? Good for him.
7: I thought so. Apparently, the market has turned around completely. So, I mean, I don't know if you'd be interested, but if you want to hear more about it, I can put you in touch.
8: You know, I'm good, but um, thanks for thinking of me. That was considerate. Mom,
7: Crosby is pretty busy as it is. Yeah, with the
8: business I own, you know, the studio.
7: I wasn't talking about leaving the studio. I mean that's your dream, right? Oh, okay. But while things are slow, uh-huh. It might be nice, comforting to have a little something on the side.
8: Yeah, maybe like show houses on my lunch break or maybe at night. Some night showings. No weekends. Oh. Great. Great idea.
7: I think he made twenty or thirty thousand dollars. I mean it's something to think about. No, oh, well. What did I say something wrong?
0: I did think that Renee and Crosby were both better than they've been in the past yes. with each other. Yeah. She didn't come on quite as strong and he wasn't as flat out disrespectful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm still, I continue to be surprised that Crosby can't hide his feelings a little better. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Crosby, you're good with people, you know, people, can't you mask your offense a little bit better Yeah. than, Oh, you at the business that I run and then walking out of the room with your meal uneaten. And yeah. I guess it's just supposed to show us how at the end of his rope he is. But yeah. Like, Come on. Crosby. I can't even
2: remember when it got that bad between the two. I mean, I remember it was very tense when she was living with them and going through, you know, her own financial struggles. Yeah. And then she did get to leave and then it was fine. Mm-hmm. So it's like, uh it was just so weird. And then I thought, where have the grandparents been? You know, all of a sudden Camille was there watching Aida, and I was like, Where has she been? And like, when do they ever get that time? So I was like, Yeah, where where has Renee been to yeah. hang out with Jabbar? Like, was she at Jabbar's birthday? That would have been great. Like, it was yeah. just so was so random. Her entrance for you know, for the purpose of the storyline, I get, but I'm like, But where have the grandparents been? They love those kids, and especially Renee loves those kids. So yeah. I just thought that
0: was it is a little sad for Renee that they only bring her in to be a nag.
4: <laughs>
2: like,
0: I know. Oh, remember when she lived with them and was a huge chain around their necks? Yes. And then, oh, remember when she like browbeat them into baptizing the baby that they didn't want to baptize? <laughs> then, remember when she's there meddling in their financial problems? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I guess it's just not interesting to see her like being a wonderful, cherished babysitter who Jamar sure. loves. There's I want to no watch conflict that. Conflict in that. I do. But- Yeah.
2: I do too. And it's kind of what you guys said they've been doing with Jasmine too. They've been painting her to be this like naggy, you know, partner. And it's just, it is, I never realized how underutilized she was until you've definitely brought it to the forefront in each episode for sure. Yeah. And
0: she's not even like a Joel who his character is so mellow Mm -hmm. that it's like, well, maybe there's not a lot of like, in-your-face, razzmatazz mm-hmm. kind of character to exploit. I'm like, Jasmine's a volcano, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. She's, she's, like, a very dynamic personality.
1: They could do so much more. They really... Very do.
0: easily. Yeah. 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 It wouldn't be like, oh, let's get blood from this stone. No. No.
1: <laughs> no.
0: Well, anyway, the other element of this storyline, you know, maybe there's four. If
1: like, you count. Yeah. yeah. The the, amber, the bridge. The yeah. yeah. No. Now,
0: The luncheonette is so down on its luck. Oh, my God. I know (laughs) what you're (laughs) playing. (laughs) Yeah, that they have to record stuff like...
2: Does
5: your cat like his food? Or does he push it away with his little paw and act really rude? Meow, meow, meow. That's the sound of a hungry cat. Meow.
1: I kind of loved it. I did too. I thought that should be on televisions everywhere.
0: <laughs> yeah. It was ridiculous, but not so dumb that I wouldn't believe they'd want to spend money to record it. Yeah. Also, I feel like the only times we see Crosby working are when he's not even listening to the people that he's <laughs> recording.
1: I think this is you know, why. They're like, How
0: was that take? And they have to like get him to stop talking to Amber. Like, um, hello, we're finished.
1: <laughs> they're trying to like, Act all indignant that no one wants to record there. And I'm like, is it because they've caught wind (laughs) of how you don't pay attention to anyone you record? Just saying. Yeah. Whatever.
0: Now, Melissa, you brought this up before, but in this episode, I really felt it. I was like, have I been asleep or in a coma? Or have they ever said, why business at the luncheonette? Which was booming just months ago. Why they're now suddenly incapable of booking anyone besides jingles Mm-mm. no freelance cellists no christian punk bands from texas they can't get anyone in
1: there it doesn't make any i sense. share
0: your incredulity well Is thank that the you right word? yes
1: <laughs> thank you sir i really think yeah it's like i remember even a few episodes back crosby's telling his dad about it and he's like these people today they have no discipline or something like that. And he's like, Oliver Rome, he took off, he's gone. And now the luncheonette's in shambles, is essentially what he says. And I'm like, how is this all on Oliver Rome? I don't know. Yeah. He's one person. I, I get how he's like an, an important figure, but I was your entire business model Oliver Rome? That's a problem. You, you admitted yeah. he was, yeah. yeah. Where's Glenn Hansard? Where is CeeLo Green? I don't, I don't get yeah. it. Yeah. The Oliver Rome
2: storyline is still a little bit shaky, but okay. Yeah. You go off, you're going to sign on your own, but you still have the album. So the album that you produced, you still have the rights to that album. Are you not They you, own like, the
0: songs. Yeah. yeah. You're not
2: any money on that. And then didn't they go on tour? They were going to go on tour. Like you didn't make any money on that?
0: And no one saw their success with Ashes of Rome and thought, well, we want to record there too. Exactly,
2: like that, it just didn't click. And I was like, you, you didn't get any press. You didn't get, you know, you guys were whining and dining these people and then there was nothing in return for it. Yeah. And then do not save your profits. It just, I just, there was like a big gap. There's just something that doesn't make sense in that. It doesn't, for how financial Adam is, for how personable Crosby is. And that's what their business model, I feel like was based on. Yeah. It's something clicking
0: yeah and i I would even welcome it if they just had two characters say exactly what we're saying, yeah, uh-huh. like I don't understand, yeah, how could it go from flood to drought uh-huh. in such a short time? I mean, we did so great with Ashes of Rome, shouldn't that be bringing new bands to the you know, just even say what we're saying and say that it doesn't make sense, yeah, but instead, they're just like, yeah, well, business is slow,
1: why, yeah. <laughs> i demand you explain yourselves i right?
0: do yeah wait
1: what was their neighbor who hated them was it Mar- Marlies? No,
8: it's It's
1: french do you think Marlies has like just completely sabotaged <laughs> their business she has that
0: would be interesting
1: wouldn't it she's just done some smear campaign and, Absolutely. yeah
0: well amber is trying to do her part to get them back on their feet and she mentions that she wants to go see this band corn at the Elbow Room. And I thought, wow, Elbow Room is such a great name for a club. I'm like, did they come up with that or is that real? It was a real venue in San Francisco, but it closed in 2019. Oh. But there is still a second location open in Oakland.
1: Oh, Ooh. cool. It is a great name. I agree. Although
0: they spell it Elbow with no W.
1: I don't understand. Yeah. And that
0: I don't get cat. But yeah. it sounds like Elbow Room.
2: I couldn't figure out how big the band was because Crosby said he had heard of them. Amber knew of them. So I'm like, are they like regulars at a bar? Are they elevated past that? Have they produced something? I couldn't figure out what level like status the, the band was.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: and then Amber says that they're recording at Bayview and Crosby's like, why don't they just record it inside of a tin can? Two questions. Am I incorrect? Or is Bayview where Crosby used to work? It is. Yeah. And then second Am I remembering, I mean, is there an episode still to come in which Crosby goes back to his old studio or has the opportunity to and has to weigh like, am I going to do this or not? I, I guess don't... that should be a spoiler alert, but
1: I actually do not remember. So if that's... okay,
0: I might be inventing that or maybe maybe it's coming up next week on Parenthood.
1: Yeah. yeah,
0: I don't remember. Huh. Well, speaking of practical issues that Melissa raised. Yeah that I am now suddenly in a total agreement with Yay. during like Amber it. and Drew's first scene where she's like, come out with me. And he's like, no, I got to study. I got to make money to take care of your baby. Cause no one has any money. All I could think about was what you said a few episodes ago, Melissa, about how Drew won't have a job in economics for years yet during which time Amber will already have had her baby and been struggling for a long time. So what is his plan exactly? Like, it's not very, he's not thinking long-term or maybe he is thinking long-term, but he's not thinking short-term. He doesn't have any money to offer her until like a decade from now, five years. I don't know. It makes the conflict feel contrived to me is what I really arrive at.
1: Completely. And okay. Okay. I love this show. Have I ever created a TV show? No, there's my caveat. Like, am I I a parent? No, there's another one. But here's what I think would have maybe been a better storyline. If Drew considered dropping out of college to get a job so he could help with the baby, because that would actually make sense. And it would be, I think, bigger stakes than everybody just looking at him like, You don't like econ. Why are you majoring in econ? Everybody would be like, no, you're you're supposed to be the first person in our family to go to college. You have to think of yourself. Don't drop out to take care of your sister. This is not your responsibility. I think that would have made a lot more sense than him majoring in econ, just throwing that out there.
0: You know, Melissa, you may have never created a TV show, but everyone out there who has... Hire Melissa thank to you. be in your writer's room and just call out <laughs> bullshit like this. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> She's very fun to be around. Yay. I think you would get a lot out of it in more ways than one. 100%. Cause that's a great idea.
2: Yeah, such a great you. idea. It makes so much more sense. And even with, um, Oh my gosh, I forgot about his girlfriend's name. Even her. Natalie. Like, Natalie. Yeah, now, Who cares? You know, even so things he's having with her and these and conundrums. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it just, that would, that would all fit way
1: better. Yeah. Cause she'd be like, don't leave. Yeah. Yeah. Her trip to the, when they were
2: registering and all, like all of that would make so much more sense. You don't know how expensive a baby is. I want to help you. Yeah. That would have made so much more sense. Yes.
0: Yes. Just while we're on the subject of Natalie, do you remember how I was like in season five? I'm like, I don't know if she comes back in season six. And Melissa's like, she does. Yeah. It is so close to the end of season six now. And there seems to be no trouble on the horizon for them. Do they like end up together? I mean, don't answer that, but, but I, mean, yeah, I just, who knows? What if I forgot entirely that she was his destiny? You know? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay. So I just had lots of little random things here so when crosby he gets in the argument with the bouncer i did feel like can't crosby get his weed back if he's leaving
2: i agree yeah that
0: guy's a bouncer he's not law enforcement yeah yeah and i was kind of surprised that a like concert venue in san francisco wouldn't let you have pot in the venue yeah in
1: 2014 Mm -hmm. really i no, I think you're so right. They were going
0: to church, but yeah. I guess yeah. church wouldn't have a bouncer.
2: And then the whole, he was the only one that got frisked. Like, just frisk everyone. Frisk everyone. Yeah. And then that yeah. Sense. It was like, random. Me, yeah, like, it was yeah. just super annoying. It's like, well, yeah, duh, you're going to find the weed because, yeah, he left the house with it. Like, there's no surprise about this instance. Yeah. Or I wish, I wish he would have been like, oh, my gosh they're frisking everyone. I'm not going to lie. Amber, I got something, you know, or like, yeah, Amber, I think that could have been a humorous moment. Like Amber, I need you to take my weed. I need you to take they're it not right gonna now. frisk The
1: pregnant oh, woman.
2: Yeah. <laughs> they're not gonna, yeah. Like I feel like they were already having so much cute banter about how cute she was pregnant and, Oh, you look great. But I think that would have been so much more funny instead of just seeing him lose it. Yeah. Like it was just,
1: it was just weird. It yeah. Just, yeah. I did enjoy the fight that he had with the guy in the line who just kept yelling, like, old guy, like, you know, it's not Soundgarden. I did enjoy that. I thought that, that was, was fun. so good. Yeah, it was. I had so many just LOL moments like that was hysterical. Yeah. Also, Soundgarden's a great band, so that's not a diss, but whatever. You know, it's fine.
0: Um <laughs> Says the old woman. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's. Yeah,
0: I did like seeing him and Amber together. Yeah. It was so
2: good. Them yeah. at the luncheonette when he's doing his cleansing, them on the floor, yeah. the dig against Uncle Adam. What are you, Uncle Adam? You know, that the, was very
1: funny. Uh, was just so adorable. Like it was just the sweetest. It really, really was. Yeah. Did we like him dancing to the Ramones or did we, there was that like.
0: I, when it first started and we didn't know exactly what was happening, I thought like maybe your business is failing because you're just dancing around in the <laughs> middle of the day instead of working. <laughs> but
1: but then you are like oh you're doing a cleanse i get it now yeah <laughs> oh this is practical it was Very man child, yeah. but it was funny yeah i appreciated yeah. it but it was still very man child like just very yeah. breakdown like find a different way to get it together dude yeah but no i didn't i didn't mind it i just yeah it is funny because it's like <sighs> i wonder what he could be doing to try to get business but everyone deserves five minutes to dance. You How know? about anything? Yeah. yeah. Everyone <laughs> yeah. deserves five minutes to dance. Well, that's why I did feel bad for poor Amber. And I think I'm glad that
2: they emphasized this isn't, it's not your job to take this on. You know, this yeah. isn't, fault. and just that she was feeling that pressure. And I liked, I never, I don't think I ever realized she wanted such a steak in the luncheonette. I mean, I knew she'd kind of been there, but then I was like, didn't we just see her go back to the coffee job? So I was like, is she doing both jobs? I forgot about that job until yeah. that's, and so. I just didn't realize she was that invested. I knew she was passionate about it, but I didn't know this was like her thing that she wanted.
1: I liked the parallelism of Crosby explaining to Amber that this was not her responsibility and her explaining to Drew that her baby was not his responsibility.
5: I I was just
0: about to say that.
5: Yeah, look
1: at us. And I was just about
0: to play that clip. Oh, fun, okay. So this
5: is gonna sound dramatic, but I had to go to the hospital last night. Are
0: you okay? Yeah,
5: I'm fine. The baby's fine? Yeah. It's fine. I just had this like really bad pain and it turned out to be nothing, but still it was scary, you know? And yeah, and I wanted to call you like obviously right away, but yeah. like I didn't want to stress you out and you've been so flipped out over this whole thing and I just didn't want to like oh, push you over the edge. No, and...
4: okay. If you go to the hospital, you have to call me. I
5: know. And I don't want to have there be any weird financial stress between us. Yeah. It's something I have to figure out, not not you. That's what I'm trying to do is with it? all this, yeah. With economics, okay, it's not a lot of magic involved.
4: Economics is vaguely enjoyable. It's not terrible. Vaguely enjoyable. Yes. Mm, that's it's a not... rave review
5: to base the rest of your entire but life on. You know on. what I'm saying? I don't. And frankly, I don't want you to waste any time on something that you don't really love. I will. I'm serious. Me
0: too. Yeah. Maybe Amber means I don't want you to do anything you don't love in the way that we mentioned a few episodes back. Like, what's the practical end of something he loves? In which case, I'm all for it. But this don't do anything that isn't your dream idea really felt like a theme in this episode to me. Mm. And it also felt very naive to me. I'm like, don't most people understand that sometimes dreams have to take a backseat to reality and you just got to pay the bills. Yeah. And I'm all for pursuing your passion with everything you've got. But I don't think Drew is throwing his life away with this plan. And, you know, I wasn't even thinking about your alternative idea of him dropping out of college then that would have been the conflict and it might have conceivably felt like you're throwing your opportunities away and then it would have probably worked better. But I don't think, Oh no, you're majoring in econ. Your life is over. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it seems like a fine plan to me. I mean, even though I was like, it's not really going to help her baby right now, but yeah. as as far as life plans go, yeah. that's okay. Yeah. i be an economist, but, <laughs> and I thought maybe if we had seen drew have another huge passion in life that he was abandoning, like yeah. drew was like a tennis phenom and he's like on his way to becoming like a pro player. And he's like, I'm going to quit tennis and become a delivery boy to, Pay for this, like then it's like no, 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 you can't quit. Right, but Drew doesn't like anything.
1: That's true. He just, I agree. just like likes, smoking
0: weed and listening to sad songs. Like. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Hanging out with girls who don't always treat him well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Taking yeah. showers. Yeah, that was a long time <laughs> was ago. A long
1: but... time ago. <laughs> He's replaced that, you know.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. It was sweet, and it, I mean, ultimately, anytime those two are together, yeah, what they get from it, you know, is really, really great.
0: I thought Jasmine was a little more on the ball with her attitude about the dreams versus reality thing.
3: Hey, hey. So I get back from
7: work about four. Maybe we can take the kids for some ice cream later. Your
0: son is lactose intolerant. <laughs> yeah.
7: <laughs> Good.
8: Honey, I hate that you're doing this.
7: I don't. I'm doing what we have to do for the family. It's
8: Yeah, but I I hate that you have to do this. It's not like you wanted to do this. I feel like such a failure.
3: Why, baby?
8: Because I you know, we took all this risk at the luncheonette and we stupidly followed this dream, and I should have been playing it way more safe. I should have sold the lunch net when I had the chance, and, and just worked and taking care of everybody. And I'm sorry, I just really regret that I, my appetite was that big.
5: Well, you shouldn't, because it's not a stupid
7: dream. And I can do some providing too, you know? It's okay. You know, I'm clearly. Yeah
8: you know you have dreams too you want to open a dance studio you don't want to file documents all day
7: oh, and i'm not forever we'll all get our time to shine baby okay i love you
0: i love you and i believe in you
1: <laughs>
0: i had to include the give me some sugar
1: that's pretty sweet. It's nice to see them that way, because it's kind of rare. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I think she's so right. Dreams are great. But as Stephen King would say, this is not exactly, but he would say, um, wish in one hand, shit in the other, see which fills up first. <laughs> I I kind of agree with dreams, too. Like, yeah, dreams are great, but they don't pay the bills. So right? If they're not paying the bills... Do what you got to do. It yeah. doesn't mean you have to abandon them forever. Yeah. The one thing that she said that I was like, hmm, I don't quite agree when she says we, we'll all get our time to shine.
4: Yeah.
0: I'm not totally on board with that because it sounds nice, but it's so optimistic and not necessarily realistic. And it's sort of like, we'll never have bullying here. Yeah. And someday soon someone will return all of your feelings. And we'll all get our time to shine. I vividly remember the moment that I had the realization that not all dreams come true. And I had applied for this very lucrative award for musical theater writers. And I found out that a friend of mine in my year in college, so my exact same age, had gotten it. And that was how I learned that I didn't. Oh, And... He was extremely talented. So I wasn't like, oh, they gave it to that hack? I was like, oh, no, they gave it to that very deserving person. Well. And I, I was overcome with this feeling of, oh, all the dreams I've ever had kind of came true. And so I assumed on some level that they all would. But that's not true because there are so many other people chasing the exact same dream I'm chasing Yeah, and I know just from numbers and like looking around reality we are not all going to make it Yeah, <laughs> and there's no reason why I'm guaranteed to be one of the ones who does Yeah, and that kicked off a very tough but very I think healthy and necessary period of maturing for me just having like a little more practical view of the world
4: and Jasmine
0: may never open a dance studio. Yeah. It, it might not be financially feasible or she might never have enough freedom away from caring for her family or like a million other reasons could prevent her from doing that. I think the real lesson is not that we'll all get our time to shine, but you have to figure out multiple ways in which you can shine so that you can be content, even if your exact dream doesn't come true.
1: Mm-hmm. Very well like, put. Like, oh,
0: even if I don't get to open a dance studio, I get to be a great mother to my kids and I'm here for them. Yeah. And that is a life well spent. And I can find value and fulfillment in that. Or I can be the best file clerk in the office yeah. and carry on my mom's legacy. Or, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You find other ways to be happy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's no guarantee. Yeah. Just, I hope to be able to do it again, but I also recognize if I'm not able to then. So just putting that, if then statement, instead of just saying this will happen. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And not making your dreams coming true doesn't mean failure. Right? Like, yeah. I don't know. It reminds me of something Nora Ephron said too, which I, I'm kind of always drawn to anyone who makes a contrarian statement. And she said, Oh, you know, people always talk about how much you learn from failure. I don't think you'll actually learn very much from failure. I truly think the only thing you learn from failure is that it is entirely possible. You could fail again. Yeah. <laughs> and I think she was specifically talking about like for her, you make a movie and you hope that it's going to be a success. And then sometimes it is a success. And then sometimes it isn't. Yeah. And you can go back over that movie and look for lessons of What did I do wrong? Where did I go wrong? How could this movie have been better? And how could I have been sure it would be a success? And the only thing you can actually know for sure is, hey, you make another movie, it might flop too. Yeah. Yeah. I think in real life you actually can learn from real failures, but I think there's a kernel of truth in what she says, which is you can't always like treat it like a manual.
1: Yeah. Mm. There's
0: there's no hard and fast lesson. Like, why was the Luncheonette successful right off the bat? Who knows? Yeah, Yeah. It's not just because, well, you were so brilliant in how you launched it that there was no way it couldn't have been a success. It was also just luck, too.
1: Right. Yeah. I also think sometimes you can learn really weird things. Like, I haven't mentioned this before, but I was a, I mean, Caleb knows this, but I was a finalist for Kansas Poet Laureate. And the person who won is a close friend of mine and completely deserving. Caleb, your story made me think of that. I mean, her um, credentials are very impressive, much more impressive than mine. And I'm very happy for her. And it's interesting, though, because now I'm getting sort of like a front row seat to what it's like because I know her. And so I'm like hearing about it. And I think that it's wonderful. And she is such a good fit because she is high energy and very ambitious. I don't think I am very high energy or very ambitious though. Like it's making me wonder if I would be a good fit, like, like not because of talent or like, this isn't me like looking down on myself. It's more like, Oh, is this something I want? Like, she just is like made for this. And I'm, I don't, I don't, does that make any sense? Like sometimes, sometimes I wonder if the lesson is like, it's okay if your dreams don't come true. Like maybe you're almost glad that they did not like in a weird way. Like maybe I'd be exhausted if my dream came true. <laughs>
0: it know. sounds like a careful what you wish for scenario, but one that spares you from having to actually like reap
1: yeah. the bad
0: thing that you sowed.
1: Yeah, I don't like, know.
0: How, isn't it better to learn this this way yeah. than if you had gotten Poet Laureate and then hated it. Yeah. And we're stuck doing it for four years.
1: Yeah. And I mean, who knows? Maybe I'd feel differently. But like, I'm just simultaneously so impressed by what she's accomplishing. So glad that she's enjoying it. And also, like, not so sure that I would enjoy it to the same degree. And, um, and I just, I think, like, what if Jasmine did open a dance studio? Certainly she deserves that. You know, Crosby got to open his studio. But like look at the flip side of his dream. Now he's struggling in ways that he might not have if he'd stayed at Bayview. And so this isn't me railing against dreams or anything. I'm just saying, yeah. even if your dream comes true, that's not like the end, happily ever after, everything is no. perfect. Right. There will be new problems that happen because of your dream coming true. And I think sometimes dreams coming true are so like romanticized that we don't like look at that. So in that respect, this is kind of interesting seeing his dream came true and it's like leading them to some dark places.
0: Yeah. A friend of mine from NYU who was an actor and a singer booked a Broadway show before she graduated, like right before she graduated. So she graduated NYU. And then like the next week, went into *Fan of the Opera. Wow. And she did that for like six months, however long her contract was. And then she went right from that onto a big, splashy national tour. And then she came back. She left that to come back and do another Broadway show, uh, working constantly. And then she went back to school and got a graduate degree at Yale. And she said, you know, that she had been working her whole young life towards realizing this dream and then bam, she did it like as soon as she could. And then she's like, well now what do I do now? Yeah. And she had to find another dream. And now she didn't quit the business or anything. She got a graduate degree in acting, but she said what she arrived at or what her dream was, was to be better. She felt like she had kind of been coasting on what a great voice she had. She does. But not she didn't feel as confident in the acting side so she did non-musical just straight acting (laughs) at Yale drama like where Meryl (laughs) Streep went oh my god so you know she was pretty good already but she wanted to be better that was her dream as she put it and now she's been doing film and tv stuff and wow and been very successful at that and she has a new dream you know it's not like she's reached the pinnacle of that field and she kind of did in one way Anyway, and it also makes me think about, especially during the pandemic, I had all these feelings of like, do I want to do the work I'm doing or do I want to do it forever? And I will say that I feel way different about contemplating a career change now than I would have 10 years ago. Because now I feel like, well, there's no way in which anyone could look at my career and think, oh, you didn't make it. Like you tried and you didn't make it, and I thought, no, I did make it. And now, if I changed paths, it would be because I knew exactly what this path was like, yeah. and I wanted something different. Yeah. And I don't know who I'm trying to impress with that. That I yeah. should maybe save for my therapist, but <laughs> it does make a difference. I'm like, well, I wouldn't feel like a failure. Yeah. So I guess it means something. Yeah. Well, this is all to say that I felt like dreams versus reality felt like the theme of this episode Crosby and Drew are literally weighing how to spend their time Uh on their passions or on more practical money-making efforts Max is trying to reconcile his dream with the reality of the situation Uh and then I thought even Hank in a way he wishes for a daughter and a kind of relationship, you know, with no conflict and where she she loves him and he loves her and it's just rosy. But he has to deal with the relationship that they actually have, yeah. which is more complicated than that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's a great thing. Mean, I always look forward to your themes. No. Uh, how many more episodes are left in this season? Um, five after this, right? Yeah. There are only Nine, 13. 10, 11, 12, 13. Right I know. It's really crazy. And... Yeah, Manel, I think you were perfect for this one, like because there was so much parenting and teaching. Yeah, it was nice to have another teacher on board for this, to like, so I didn't feel alone in in my indignance. And then um, it was also really good to get like some parent perspectives because, Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and I think that you helped me humanize what Christina was doing. Like, it wasn't all bad, it was just she was only looking at it as a mom i'm glad you pointed that out that was very wise yeah it's always so lovely you guys always so good seeing you yeah we
0: are so glad that you reached out to us because i don't hope this isn't like some kind of backhanded diss i don't think we would have known you were a parenthood fan or thought to have asked you on until you reached out to us and it has been such a wonderful surprise Uh both to just reconnect with you and yeah. then to have your insight and stuff on the podcast. I've it's loved been it. So great. It's yeah.
2: It's been such an honor. It really
1: has been like a true highlight and a true joy. Uh, for real. It's for been. For us too. Yes, completely. So fun to like reconnect to. It's just like wonderful.
2: I can't so. wait to send you guys the gift set this time. Oh send my gosh. <laughs> lost coffee since the last time I saw you guys. So, and it's, I'm not a coffee drinker and now all of a sudden I am. So we have a really cute Valentine's day gift set and it's a bottle of wine, a bag of coffee and a thing of chocolates. Uh,
1: Well,
0: well, where, where can people who aren't your friends (laughs) find all of this amazing product?
2: I love it. Just, it's on my personalized URL, www.scoutandseller.com backslash my first name and my last name. So Manal Lidl. I can't wait to send you guys my
1: thank you. Well,
0: Oh, guys she sends us the most delicious <laughs> wine after every time we record
1: it's so and, kind. You know, everything
0: i just said was true we're not just in it for the wine
1: <laughs> we swear we're not but it is like beyond generous so kind yeah yeah it's so and
0: nice. it's good it's quality and it comes right to your doorstep i feel like i'm really shilling for this stuff it's now, great i am not a wine drinker but when it's just sent to my door, I'm like, I want to drink it
1: now. And I am a wine drinker. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so no, it's it's great. It's so much fun, you guys.
0: <sighs> well, thank you. Yes,
1: thank you both. Yes. And thank
0: you, listeners at home, for listening. That's right. And until next time,
1: for five more times. Oh my gosh. May
0: God bless and keep you always. And
1: may your wishes all come true.